And now, introducing the man who was recently suspended by Pressbox when it was revealed that he hazed intern Little Jordan by forcing him to watch every second of the New York Giants' losses from the last five seasons. When reached for comment, he said, I don't see what the big deal is. It could have been worse. It's not like he sharded on an airplane, unquote. His draws are nastier than yours. He is Glenn Clark. Allegedly. Allegedly. Never been confirmed, really. No one's ever, no one's ever made that. Uh... All right, never mind. All right, good morning. It's Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn Clark. He is uh, Paul Valley. We are here, and uh, we got a lot to do on a Tuesday edition of the program. Today's show brought to you. Well, you know what? Just how about we start by reminding everybody tonight, we're going to be at Alonzo's. Um, looking forward to it. What a game Tyus Bowser had on Sunday. He was a monster. And uh, I'm so glad we get to hang out with him tonight. He's awesome. We will be at Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane. Hope that you will come join us for the Tyus Bowser Show, brought to you by Press Box and Great Eights Memorabilia, as well as by Window Depot Baltimore, windowdepotbaltimore.com, Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, duffysgaragemd.com, and uh, the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, joins us courtesy of my bookie. Gonna be a great night. Come join us at Alonzo's right down the street. I could walk there. I'm not going to, but I could if I needed to. If my life was on the line, I could walk there um, from where we are right now. So we'll uh, see you tonight for the Tyus Bowser Show. I, You know, it's funny. Like Tyus told me last week who his special guest was going to be, and he, just, he was like, hey, man, just wait because I need to confirm it. And I completely forgot that we needed to make sure that it was confirmed. So I think I know who it is, and it's a, it's a good one. It's a good one. But I don't even know that. If I'm being totally honest with you, I'll try to work to get that confirmed uh, in the course of the next few hours. And uh, we'll share it with you on social media when it is. Coming up on the program today, we're going to preview the Browns. Gerard Sherry, former uh, Patriots, three-time Super Bowl champion, in fact, now a talk show host out in Cleveland. Because when you've had a career where you've won three Super Bowls, the place that you need to be after that is Cleveland. Like You just have to. We talked to Gerard about this. It's a family deal, uh, but we're going to preview the Browns with Gerard Cherry from uh, ESPN 850 out in the land. Later on in the hour, our weekly uh, look at the college hoops world with our buddy Patrick Stevens. Uh, a couple of rough performances from Maryland. They head to uh, the Bahamas this week where they face a pretty good Richmond team on uh, Thanksgiving, so we'll talk to Patrick about that. Oh, by the way, that, that bit, there's a real goofy bit going on. If they win on Thursday... The championship game in this tournament would be at 10 a.m. on Saturday. Go explain that. Explain anything about how that makes sense. 10 a.m. on Saturday because it's the only time CBS Sports Network had available for them to put a game on. And if they lose, I'm pretty sure the word is that the game isn't even on TV. Like, if they lose and they got to play in the third place game in this tournament, it wouldn't even make it onto TV. So dynamite tournament to be participating in. Um, it's what it is, man. It's what it is. Uh, also later on today, Jarrett Bell is going to join us. Of course, longtime NFL writer, USA Today. Um, kind of wondered aloud if the Ravens are getting some divine intervention. I, you know, we didn't really dive into it. A lot of people reacted to Edidi Kinkabwala's tweet yesterday. If you watch the Project Game Day postgame show on Sunday, you know how I feel about the, the concept that the Ravens were lucky on Sunday. There was nothing lucky about how they beat the Bears. I, I, I think, and I don't think people even actually believe that. I just don't think they know how to describe it. 
I don't think that they, I think people are struggling with how the Ravens keep doing this and how they keep managing to overcome very difficult circumstances to win football games. And so what they're doing is they're using the word luck. And if you want to describe the Ravens beating the Lions earlier this season with the term luck, yeah, I mean, okay, I'll listen to that. It, it takes nothing away from Justin Tucker, but that ball bounces a quarter of an inch another way, and the kick is missed. So, you know, I'm happy to say there is probably some luck involved with that. But luck is you get a tip ball that just happens to go your way. Something lucky about winning on the road in the NFL when you have to start an undrafted free agent as your quarterback. That's not lucky. And as has been pointed out by many, the Ravens are the opposite of lucky this season. They've been the antithesis of lucky. They have had everything go against them from an injury standpoint. They have to continuously play down players. They already had the entire roster hurt, and then they lost their quarterback and top wide receiver. It's not luck. And I, and I think most of you are using luck just because it's the first term that comes to mind, and you're struggling with what term you should use to describe it. And I get that. I, I think that you would admit and acknowledge it's a mistake. But there are people throughout the country who are using it because, I, I don't know, either they're trying to take something away from what the Ravens have done this year, they're not sure how to define the fact that they're not sure how good the Ravens actually are, which is completely fair. It's completely fair to say we're not sure how good the Ravens are. Totally understand. What's not fair to say is they're lucky. Because they sure as F ain't. They are anything but lucky. That ain't it, Chief. It ain't lucky. They are extraordinarily... They have been dealt with one of the most ridiculous strings of bad luck in football history. So try to use another term. Come up with whatever you want to come up with. And I do think that most of you are just saying that as a placeholder for whatever it is that you mean. They've played a lot of close games. Yes. And they figured out ways to win those close games. And only one of them you can really throw into the luck category. That being the Lions game. That's the only one. The Vikings game wasn't about luck. But can't, tell me what other game was about luck. Tell me what other game was about fluky circumstances this season. Comeback wins aren't lucky. They're what happens. The, the, the Colts game wasn't luck. The Colts game was they went out and they started playing. With just enough time to get the job done. Come on. Come on, luck. It's nonsense. It's utter and complete nonsense, and it's lazy. And I couldn't believe when people were throwing that. We were doing the, the post-game show. I'm like, what are you talking about? They've got a horseshoe up their ass. What is that? It's the opposite of that. It's not just that it ain't that. It's literally the exact opposite. They are having to overcome an extraordinary amount of bad luck. And they keep figuring out a way to do it. It's insane. Lucky. Lucky? Oh, come on, man. Um, anyway, Project Game Day. We do it every game day this season. It'll be myself and the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, on Sunday night 
Uh, come join us. Brought to you by Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, and Underdog Fantasy Football. We'll see you for Project Game Day this Sunday night as uh, Baltimore takes on Cleveland. All right. Um, is that it? Is that all we're doing? Yeah, I think I preview. I plugged everything. We're good. We're good. Now, a couple things quickly. One, I've been giving you the details, and we're getting close to halfway there, halfway to our goal of $2,000 to help us help helping up. I need you guys, if you are one of our regulars and you have not yet made a donation, it is a problem. It is a problem. You know who you are. Get in. The details are at glennclarkradio.com. If you got any questions, you can message me. Say, hey, man, I, I, I forgot. Nope. Take care of it. I need you to get in. We are attempting to raise $2,000 to buy the things that should not be donated for the folks at the Helping Up Mission, men and women at the Helping Up Mission. So we're talking about socks and underwear and undershirts and maybe some new items. As much as it is helpful that you all have donated the um, your items or that you will donate your items, and again, I'm so sorry that we can't. I am still working on the details. Keep December 14th in mind as a potential date for us to get together for a drive. Keep that in mind, December 14th, and I'll get you some more details as we get closer. Um, and I'm going to give you some more details about, like tonight when we're at Alonzo's, if you want to bring by your coats, your clothes, please do that. I'd love for you to bring them by. I will take them from you, and I will get them to the Helping Up mission. That is a promise. And I'm actually going to offer to drive around and pick stuff up this Sunday uh, because the game isn't until uh, night. So I've got some time during the day, and I will happily get in my car and drive to you to pick up your coats and clothes for Helping Up mission. But we need some money. And we're halfway there. I want to thank everybody who contributed yesterday. We got a, we had a big push. Um, I did some uh, some asking on Twitter, and a lot of people came through. Thank you to all of you who did, but we're still not even quite halfway there. Again, the goal is $2,000. We're doing 100 raffle spots that cost $20 each, and we're giving some great prizes away. We got an autographed Adafi Owe, uh, 16 by 20. We've got an autographed Hollywood Brown, 16 by 20. We've got an autographed Trey Mancini, AL Comeback Player of the Year. Or is it MLB Comeback Player of the Year? They do two of those, they just do one. I don't even. I I'm, saw it was Comeback Player of the Year, no, but I got to be honest he's, with you. He's American League Buster Posey was National All right, League. there you go. American League Comeback Player of the Year, uh, uh, Trey Mancini. We've got an autographed 16 by 20 canvas for you of Trey Mancini. These are wonderful things. And if you're a professional wrestling fan, we're going to give you the opportunity to meet uh, 14 pro wrestling stars at the upcoming Baltimore Celeb Fest and Hollywood Celeb Fest events. Thank you to Great Eights Memorabilia for partnering with us for these wonderful raffle prizes. 100 raffle spots we started with. We're approaching. We're down to about you know 60, I want to say, at the moment. So we need you to get in. If you go to glennclarkradio.com, you can see the link. All of the details are right there, and I'm going to keep refreshing that throughout the course of the next week or two until all of the raffle spots are gone. All you got to do is send your 20 bucks by Venmo, PayPal, or Cash App if you prefer. PayPal, at glennclark180, or search glennclarkradio at gmail.com. Venmo, at glenn-clark, two N's, of course, and Glenn. Or Cash App, dollar sign, Glenn Clark Radio. 
Get in, send your 20 bucks, then send me an email, glennclarkradio at gmail.com, or, or on Twitter at glennclarkradio, DM me. Let me know who you are, that you sent your money in, and I will get back to you, and then you'll pick your raffle and spot, and then we'll go from there. And there's, you got questions? They're all answered in this post um, up at uh, glennclarkradio.com. So they're all there, all the details you need. But if you're one of our regulars, I need you to get in. I don't want to have to come. At some point, I'm going to start calling you guys out by name. That's the way it's going to go. I'm going to do it. I mean, this is important. This is the thing that matters to me. I don't really care about anything else all year. Except my kids, I guess. Eh, a little bit. A little bit. And then pecan pie. I care about pecan pie and my kids. Uh, <laughs> and then this. These are the things that matter to me in my life. So I need you to get in so I don't have to do that, and we can shut this thing down early, and I don't have to waste time on the show every day begging for you all to get your money in. I would much prefer to just get on with it. There are things I would like to talk about today, but until this is taken care of, this is going to be a priority. So get in with your $20. Get your raffle spot. You can have multiple raffle spots. A few people did that yesterday. Um, got John from Little Rock, thank you very much. You want multiple raffle spots? By all means. And you can win multiple times. I mean, we're going to do this at random. We're going to draw numbers. But if I draw your number twice, then you can get both the Trey Mancini and the Adafi Owe uh, autographs. That's, that's the way it goes. You can have multiple spots in this raffle. So, again, go to glennclarkradio.com. The details are all there. And I think I pinned them up on Twitter as well, at Glenn Clark Radio. And if I didn't, then I will. I will make sure that I get that taken care of ASAP. All right? All right, then. Very good. Thank you. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm letting you know. Be prepared for it. It's going to be nothing but this. In fact, if we this continues to be a struggle, I'm just going to do it all morning. Like We won't do any of the show. It'll just be me saying, I am going to keep uh, asking you for money until we uh, get to the $2,000 number. Um, I want to get your reaction. We don't have a lot of time right now, so I'm going to have you tweet us in, and then we'll talk about it more a little bit later on in the program. But I want to know your response to the report this morning from Buster Olney. Now, stop. I know, I know how you as an Orioles fan feels about Buster Olney. I'm not asking about him. I'm asking about this report. Buster Olney this morning says, Other teams say the Orioles are dangling left-hander John Means for trade. He's set to make about $3 million in arbitration, Coming off a season in which he pitched great in the first half, 2.28 ERA, struggled in the second half, 4.88, and had shoulder issues. I want to know what your reaction is. I want to know if it would bother you for the Orioles to trade John Means this offseason. At Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, I'm interested in this. And we don't know that something's going to happen. As a couple of people have pointed out, it is totally possible that this is kind of like anything. Hey, sure, all players are always available for the right price. We don't know that. Like, we don't know. There's nothing about this tweet from Buster Olney that says, Orioles got deep into conversations or Orioles are in advanced talks or something along those lines. All it says is other teams say the Orioles are dangling left-hander John Means. That's all it says. So I want to know if it would bother you. 
I want to know your reaction to the idea that John Means is perhaps trade bait for the Baltimore Orioles. Paul, before we grab break, I'll let you have a response to this, and then and then we'll save everybody else's for a little bit later on. All right. So you look at it on the surface. He is a controllable left-handed pitcher, still in his mid to approaching late 20s, who's been very good for you. Then you look at it on the other hand, he's had shoulder issues every single year, and he is due to make $3 million this year. Mm-hmm. If the Orioles are dangling him because they want to get a nice haul in return, I don't think anybody on this roster should be untouchable at this point. If they're trying to dangle him because they don't want to pay him $3 million, that's where I have the issue. Okay. And last year, you know, they tried to get Anthony Santander and Trey Mancini to defer money in arbitration. They both said no, of course, because why would they say yes to that? Um, and anybody that was due to make over $2 million last year either got traded or, or non-tendered. So for me, except for Trey and um, Anthony Santander. So for me, if it's to save money, there's a real issue there. If you're dangling him because he's one of your best trade chips and you want to see what you can get for him, but you don't intend to trade him unless you get a boatload back, mm-hmm. then I have no problem with it. The, really, just if it's a money grab thing, then I, I, I don't want to hear it. Well, I, I said the morning after the no-hitter, if you're not prepared to buy him out of arbitration years, you should be looking to trade John Means. And frankly, I you know, based on what his trade value would have been at that moment, even versus right now, right. I stand by that. You, you, need this, you need to be a forward-thinking organization. If you believe that someone is a centerpiece of what you're doing in the future, great. Get them out of their arbitration years. If that's the way that you've identified it, do it. But if not, then you need to be looking to trade players when they have their absolute highest value. Because the notion that players are getting more valuable as time goes on is hogwash. Mm-hmm. You're not. The argument people make is, well, it doesn't have to happen right now. You could do it in the offseason. Right? They're not more valuable then. Right. It's not. There's no world. Just because you don't have to do something at a certain time doesn't mean it's better to wait to do it. If you were ever going to trade John Means, then it's something you should have been proactive about. And as much as it would have pained people in that moment when John Means looked like the best pitcher in the American League, that's when he's got his most value. If they're not going to buy him out of, an arbitration, out of his arbitration years, they're looking at their timeline and saying, but this doesn't make sense. I don't know, his 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 years or he's here, we're probably not going to be there, if we're being honest. Then I get it. Then I get it. If they are concerned that what they saw in the second half was, you know, him coming back to earth, I'll understand any of those things. Mm-hmm. But it still goes back to the original. The, the, you've, you have to make the best decisions that you possibly can make in the to be uh, to to do something like this to do what it is to to operate within the margins the way the Orioles are trying to operate. I guess we're not going to get to a break here because I just realized we're going to push right up to 1020. It's my fault. It's my fault. It's fine. We'll just we'll just roll through it. Um we'll make them all up. We got we got 2 hours. We got plenty of things we can do during the course of this time. Am I would I be bothered by it? It's hard for me to be bothered by anything related to the Orioles at the moment. I mean like wait, how much worse could it be? <laughs> now do I think that they need to? To to your point, Paul, if it's nothing other than, you know, we don't have a lot of great offers, but we're just going to take whatever we can take because we want to get rid of three million bucks. Yeah, that's always going to bother me forever. It's always going to bother me. But I, to, to to what extent? I don't know, man. I don't know. You've kind of you kind of reached a point with this team where 
you can make the argument that Cedric Mullins' value is never going to be higher. But if you trade him, if you trade John Means, if you non-tender Trey Mancini, all of it is just terrible PR for your ball club. And fans are going to call you cheap, and they're going to say that you're not trying. And then they're going to say you're 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 unloading all this talent to try and sell the team. There's so many conspiracy theories out there. Yeah, that part, none of that's going to bother me. Like, right, I I don't get I'm over that. It's right? just like, the, the PR head that they're going to take from the fan base is is it worth it? I think you got to do whatever you can to make your your ball club the best version that it can be. But a lot of other fans just a lot of other fans just say you got to hang on to anybody with talent. I, well, I you know, and and you're not wrong about that. My response back would be like, how much worse could the PR be? Like, really? We're not talking about a team that's getting the benefit of the doubt at the moment. Who's really going to be angrier than they already are, right? Like, there's just not a lot here. Now, the conspiracy theory stuff, I can't do anything about that. And I do get it. Again, if this is just about slashing as much salary as you possibly can to literally pay no one, it's a problem. It's a problem. You just can't do that. I, we got a bunch of responses already. I'm going to get to some of them as the morning goes on. But your thoughts on this report from Buster Olney that the uh, Orioles are considering or at least offering John Means uh, in trade conversation this offseason, and would it bother you? We'll talk about that as the morning goes on. Mobile One Full Synthetic Motor Oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. We're not going to be here on uh, Thursday or Friday of this week, so let's go ahead and start looking ahead to Sunday night and a big division showdown as the Ravens take on the Cleveland Browns. Joining us now, a three-time Super Bowl champion, a man who is now a talk show host on ESPN 850 out in Cleveland. He is our friend, Mr. Gerard Cherry, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Gerard, it's Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you as always, man. Thank you for taking the time for us, and happy Thanksgiving to you. Uh, same to you guys. Same to you. Um, everything seems to be going really great in Cleveland right now, Gerard. <laughs> <laughs> I, ha, can you explain like what has happened that that a team that's you know performing fairly well and clearly had high expectations? Has turned into kind of a a a modern soap opera uh, on a day to day basis over the course of the last couple of months. Gosh, I'm living in the midst of it, and the best way I can explain it is we just have a situation where there's a lot of uncertainty about one how much we should pay our quarterback, two is he the quarterback going in the future, and three should he be playing right now? And should Chase Keenum, his backup, be playing? That's really what the main issue stemmed from. But is that a, is that, that a real thought that like they should play Case Keenum as their quarterback right now? Yeah, that's a legitimate thought that people have. I mean, there is there, there's a large contingency of Cleveland Browns fans who don't think Baker Mayfield can play at a high level right now, and they would rather see Case Keenum play. And I know it sounds absurd, but that's actually how people feel. Wow. Wow. I didn't know it had come to that. I had no idea. Well, at least Baker seems to be handling it all really well, right? Like, at least it doesn't seem to be getting to him at all. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh man. You got jokes today. <laughs> well, he's not handling it well. Walking off the field and not shaking hands with the opponent, not showing up for the press conference after the game, those aren't signs, good signs of leadership. So he's going through his, his moments right now. And obviously, as the leader of the football team, he has to do a better job, no matter if he plays good or bad stepping up to the mic and doing what he's supposed to do. So, yeah, it's 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 interesting what's going on right now because it is more of a soap opera than actually playing football games. You have his wife in social media. She's getting critiqued. She's getting 
if you want to say bullied in the social media sphere because of with Browns fans. It's just it's crazy what's going on. It is a soap opera. It has nothing to do with football, and that's a bad thing because obviously playing against you guys this weekend, we better have our full attention on playing football and not worrying about the off the field junk. All right, let's let's talk about it, Gerard, because it, it feels like a lot of this centers around the idea that like nobody knows if the Browns should commit to Baker Mayfield long term and this is how the quarterback market works in the NFL. If you're a free agent, you get a boatload of money and and there has yet to be a team that has taken a quarterback that's worked and said, No, we're not going to do that. We're just going to allow you to walk. Like the closest thing we've seen was Washington with Kirk Cousins and you know, he wasn't a number a first round pick. He wasn't a number one overall. You know, he was he was a guy, right? That that happened to play fairly well for a couple of years. So, right. are, are are we looking at a situation where it looks more like the Browns aren't going to commit to Baker Mayfield long term? Ah, it's it's still up in the air. I don't see them paying him Josh Allen money at this point. And and Lord knows Lamar Jackson could ask for more than Josh because he's that valuable to your organization Correct. out there. And but I don't I don't see how Baker and I was one of the guys saying if Baker Mayfield makes it to the playoffs he gets us to the AFC Championship at least to that place he's getting at least forty million dollars a year and I was talking big time about what he was going to get and now I'm in the place of it's going to be hard for him to ask for twenty to twenty I'd say twenty to twenty five million wow the way he's been up and down right now granted it's due to a lot of it has to do with injuries so I think they may be thinking the same way I'm thinking like can we trust him. Is he actually the answer? But the crazy part about it, again, is you guys know the Browns' situation. We haven't had a good quarterback in God knows how long. And that, and that has to be part of this conversation. But frankly, Gerard Cherry is with us. Gerard, I'll go back to people beat up the Ravens for the money that they gave Joe Flacco. And in Baltimore, we watched Joe Flacco, and we said, yo, did you see Kyle Bowler? Did you see the quarterbacks the Ravens ran out there for years until Joe Flacco showed up? In Baltimore, nobody was mad about the Ravens paying Joe Flacco. They were mad that they couldn't draft a receiver after that. For a, it would have been nice for them to be able to put a receiver on the field, but nobody was mad about the idea of drafting Joe Flacco. So, I mean, you know, right? Like, I mean, you, first of all, you know good quarterback play. You were around one that was decent for a little while. Um, but, but give me from from your sense. Is Baker Mayfield as bad as everyone makes him out to be? Or, given the context that we're dealing with, is is he treated perhaps unfairly? Uh, it's a it's a mixed bag, and thank you for that comment because I was actually one of the greatest of all time in Tom Brady. But yeah. With that being said, we don't like to admit that. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you you just <laughs> now when you said Brady, did you just not know how to pronounce Johnny Unitas? Or I'm, I'm... <laughs> no, I meant Tom Brady. Not. Number uh, nineteen was fire. Don't get me wrong, uh, but Tom Brady is something special. Special. <laughs> with that being said, man. It's, it's a combination because, like, for example, a couple weeks ago against the Bengals, Baker Mayfield lit it up. Mm-hmm. Accuracy, yep. deep passes, short passes, everything was working. Next week, same guy, missing. And I'm a Baker supporter, so it's been very tough for me. I mean, I got people cutting me left and right on Twitter telling me I'm asinine for supporting him. Right. So it's up and down with him, and that's the problem, though. You have to be what in this game? Consistent. And so with that inconsistency, that's why he, you were able to make a legitimate argument that, hey, I don't know if this guy is a guy. And, I mean, he has beaten you guys a couple times, but it's been a long time since we've had a situation where the ball was in his hand and he actually led him down the football field to steal the victory. So that's where we're at. 
He is Gerard Cherry, ESPN Radio in Cleveland. He's with us here on GCR. Gerard, are, are, you know, as, as now we try to focus on the football game on Sunday night, is, is the team coming apart? Like, you know, we see them get thrashed by the Patriots a couple weeks ago and then, you know, just barely beat the Lions, albeit in fairness the Ravens just barely beat the Lions earlier in the mm-hmm. season, right? It, is this team coming apart internally or is this just the NFL, right? Like, are they are they fine? They still have all the pieces that they need in order to make a run. Um, they just maybe need, like, a good result in order to sort of get things kick-started. Nah, I, I think it's actually more complex than that with this team. Right now, I call them a collection of talented individuals. Unlike what's going on with your football team, they've yet to create that bond of being a team team where it's like you have a culture with Baltimore – Guys are going to go out there and sell out week in and week out whether Lamar's on the field or whether he's not. John does an excellent job of getting guys to play to their level and get the job done and never quit, never say die attitude, reflects in the record. The record that we have does not reflect the amount of talent that we have on the football team for the Browns. It's a reflection of guys simply going rogue and trying to do their own thing and trying to make their own plays. And when you have that element taking place as opposed to the team concept, you get this type of performance from a football team when you're not truly a team but a collection of talented individuals. Hmm. Um, are, in what way are they still dangerous, though? In what way, you know, this is a Ravens team, you point out, you know, didn't have Lamar. Hopefully he's back on Sunday night. You know, it's kind of scary that, uh, you know, this thing lasted as long as it did, but hopefully he's back on Sunday night. But they still have, this is still a Ravens team that has been decimated by injury throughout the course of the season. So in what way are the Browns still scary for a team like the Ravens as they face them for the first time? Well, if they come back with the same level of energy, same level of focus, and same level of determination that they have for the Bengals and not the crap that they put out there for the Steelers and the Patriots and even the Lions, then their team you would have a hard time beating. As a matter of fact, they could be just as explosive as the the Bengals were, and the Bengals showed us the recipe for beating you guys. It's be explosive, beat you in the air, pound on you, and make sure you beat up Lamar. It's really that simple. And if you do that and get after them, you can beat the Ravens. Now, you guys aren't going to quit, but we saw what the recipe to beat you, and they certainly have the people in the backfield and on the football field to do just that. It's a matter of do they want to do it. No, I mean, it's, it's, it seems like this is a, you know, there's more that what's going on here really is less about football and more about some of this other stuff that we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. and that's the reality. At least it seems that way. Um, what's the, what's, so what's the story? I, obviously, I know we, we bring up injuries a second ago, right? And I'm sure everybody in Cleveland's like, you know, we don't feel bad for you. Um, like this is the NFL. That's the way that everything is, is, is going around these parts. Um, what's exactly where at this point are the Browns health wise coming into a game like this? I know obviously the biggest story had been the Nick Chubb injury. He clearly back ready, looked great on Sunday. Yeah, well, we got a couple other guys coming back, too, it looks like. Jack Conklin as well as Kareem Hunt. So that will be huge to get those guys back in the fold. And Baker's Baker, and he's beat up. So that's a key part to it all. But other than that, we're probably the healthiest we've been in a while. Is the is the bloom off the Kevin Stefanski rose at this point? <laughs> yeah, it actually is for some people, if you can believe this. You got people actually, and I think this is one of the most ridiculous takes, Oh, we need to get rid of him, too. I'm like, the guy just won 
coach of the year. That's real. You went to the playoffs for the first time and won a playoff game in God knows how long. How do you even utter those words? So, I mean, he's going through his own maturation process as well, but it's it's been crazy. I'm trying to get talented. It's 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 not it's easier to get guys who are not noted as being talented to come together as a team. As a, and it's much harder when you have more talented guys to become a team. And that's what he's dealing with. It's really that simple. And people don't want to understand that or get that, that it's more than just play calling. But the part about being a head coach, I learned this from John. I learned this from Bill, is that you have to be a psychologist, man. You have to teach guys and mold them into the idea why it's so important to put team over self. And he's learning that on the job. This is only his second year. Man, you know, I, I... – it's amazing to me, right, like, as bad as the Browns have been for a long time, that, like, this is still something that you guys are dealing with, right? Like, it's just, it's, I can, I, I feel, I, although, as I say that, it's got to be good business for a talk show host, man. Like, your job's got to be pretty easy on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> man, I don't even got to write an outline. <laughs> Turn on the radio, clap. <laughs> hey, uh, you, you mentioned uh, uh, John. You were with him briefly in Philadelphia, correct? Yeah, I was. Um, so I spent the season in Philadelphia with him. He was a special teams coach. And I I remember asking him, point blank, like, why aren't you a head coach? Wow. Wow. <laughs> and, and, and I, and I, you could, you just knew it then. You just knew it then. So, so what the things that you were talking about earlier, they don't support that, that, that the Ravens have managed to overcome this ungodly amount of adversity that they have faced this season. I mean, this is, it's, it's, un, they've lost a football team's worth of players mm-hmm. this year and are still sitting here at 7-3. You're not surprised by that. Oh, not at all. I'm not surprised at it all because I know who's leading it all. I know what he represents. I know what type of man he is. I know what type of coach he is. Having that opportunity, though, briefly to play for him, I know guys will respect him because guys know that, it's a weird way to put this, but he cares. Mm. And when you care beyond what a guy is doing for you on the football field, but you actually do care, you want to see him succeed, obviously, on the football field, but you are just a genuine, good-working, hard-working man, and you treat people with respect, and you just – something about that gets a response out of people. And he has that gift, man, and he just, he just does. He's a leader, no, and he has the gift. No, it's it's – it's abundantly evident, man. It is abundantly clear, and it's a remarkable. You can't take anything away. It's 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 unreal what they've been able to do this season, given everything that's going on. Uh, Gerard, what can we plug for you, man? I know it's at jrcherry3 on Twitter is how people can follow you. Is there anything that we can give you a plug for before we let you go? I'm good, man. I appreciate your time. Hey, man. Uh, in, enjoy. I know it's a weird thing to say, but enjoy how easy your job must be right now going in and doing this. <laughs> I didn't um, want to talk about this. I want to talk about a 10-win football team I, hey right man, now. Hey, man. <laughs> I get it. It's a, it's a weird place to be. Everybody always says, like, it's got to be fun when the teams are bad. I'm like, no, it's more fun when the teams are good, I assure you. But I, I do know as a talk show host, man, when there is controversy and there is drama – it just makes your days easy. Like, you don't have to do a lot of show prep going into doing the show that day. Uh, Gerard, uh, enjoy Thanksgiving, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. All right, take care, guys. Gerard Cherry, three-time Super Bowl champ with the Patriots and uh, now a talk show host out in Cleveland. My God. It, it, it kind of – like, I, everybody knew how dramatic the Odell Beckham thing was, but I didn't realize – how dramatic how much more dramatic things got after that like i think as a as a country we sort of stopped paying attention to the browns again after beckham was gone mm-hmm. and like they're imploding 
Baker Mayfield's refusing to talk to the media. The fans are booing him. He's getting pissed at them. I don't care about them. His 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 wife is going on social media and like trashing. Uh, uh, other players could learn some things about toughness from Baker. Like it is an S show, like an unbelievable S show. And they're not a two win team. <laughs> like they're still very much in it at this point. It is wild how things have come apart uh, at the seams. The Browns have a Baker Mayfield problem. Well, yeah, and, and he's been like this since college. He's always been th- th- this type of guy. Yeah. But you, know? I, you say that, I, I think for the first couple of years, there, most people there said they loved the guy and they were behind him and, and his fire. And it seems like the Beckham thing might have, might have broken things there. That it's starting to look like there was maybe a splintering. Uh, a lot of people had opinions about Odell Beckham, but you watch Brown's players in the aftermath of all of that unfolding sort of lining up and coming out and supporting Odell on social media mm-hmm. and... It seems like there was a splintering of look, dude, we've we've supported you, but like you just ran a cat off. And we definitely support that cat. And by the way, I've made it abundantly clear. I don't think Odell Beckham's that good at this point. I think he's a guy mostly at this point. But they liked him there. It's it's pretty clear that his teammates really liked him. And it, it appears as though this may have caused a fracture within that locker room. Now, there's a long way to go, right? And I've said eternally, and, and, and it's not my phrase, it's a phrase, winning truly does cure everything. Yeah. You win a football game. The, the Baltimore Ravens were a disaster in 2012. They were a mess. As my man Jason Cole described, they were uh, dancing on the edge of chaos. Firing an offensive coordinator late in the season is what you do when you don't think you're any good, mm-hmm. right? Like, they were a disaster. And all it took was just winning a game, beating somebody. They beat the Giants late that season. And just winning that game sort of made them say, okay, settle, breathe, we can figure this all out. We can make this all work. And then they get you know, this, this news from Ray Lewis that he's going to you know, battle back in order to play and then announces his retirement, and all of a sudden it creates... One ride. They sort of insulate around that. They're all like, all right, let's go, giddy up. You know, like It just becomes this whole thing. Um, at that point. So winning can cure a lot of things. If the Browns somehow on Sunday night figure out a way to beat the Ravens, then a lot of these things can be solved, right? Like you can see whatever your issues are, you can see past them. But they have obviously the bigger, the far bigger problem for them is they really are staring down. Are we going to be the first team that allows a quarterback that works to walk? And you could say there's a limit to how much Baker Mayfield is working, but to Gerard Cherry's point, it's a point that's made by a lot, the Browns were an abomination. They won one game in two years before Baker Mayfield showed up. Now they're a contender. That's working. It might not be that he's the best quarterback in the NFL, but it's working. He is working as a starting quarterback in the National Football League, and teams don't let those players just walk away. Well, when you when you have a guy where what you say is it's working, uh, and he's not the best quarterback in the NFL, but they're winning and they're a contender— he was the first overall pick in the draft. They gotta be, they, he's got to be better than but that. But you don't measure it by that any longer. Yeah. They, 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 when they make this decision, it's not, was, were there better options for us to take with the number one pick? You can't go back and redraft now. Right. Like no, you I, made I the pick that. that you made. You're making a decision now based on who you are, what's best for you and your franchise. Are you better off trying to find another quarterback and hoping for the best? And running the risk that the next guy is more like the 10 guys that you had before Baker Mayfield than he is better than Baker Mayfield? 
it's a very difficult spot to be in. It's like, and as a talk, I'm jealous. I'm jealous of Gerard Cherry because it'd be the type of, you could just walk in and do this every day for three months, and you don't have to bother doing any show prep or booking any guests. You just turn the... All right, what do you think about the Baker Mayfield situation? And get through four hours. It's like, to me, it's like when the Bengals had to give the contract to Andy Dalton, where he was good enough to get them to the playoffs. They weren't winning in the playoffs. Do we extend him? Do we give him a ton of money? Is he the guy who's going to lead our franchise for the next 10 years? And so they give him the contract, but it, it never really panned out. Yeah, and I, and I, look at it, I look at Baker Mayfield very similarly. He, to me, he's just a guy who helps you win, doesn't doesn't necessarily make you lose, but is he is he the difference maker? Difference maker well, the that question team. that you're asking is, is, are you going to win a Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield no. as your quarterback? And it's easy to say that, it's, right? Well, it's my opinion is It's easy no. to say that, but a lot of people said the same thing about Joe Flacco once upon a time, right? Yeah. Like, it's not, you don't know that. It's just that you feel like you're saying that. And the question becomes, what are you doing if he's not your quarterback? And in Cleveland, for a lot of people, that's a very scary proposition mm-hmm. in the same way that it was very scary for us in Baltimore because the quarterbacks had all been garbage or stop gaps. It's all you had done is either try to find somebody that can get through a season like Steve McNair or, you know, draft a garbage quarterback. And Cleveland, that's all they've done is draft garbage quarterback after garbage quarterback after garbage quarterback. And so if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, as much as you might even acknowledge there's a limitation to Baker Mayfield – you probably still sit back and say, yeah, but we know how much worse it can be. Yeah. We know just how much worse things could be. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this much. I'm still terrified about this game with Kareem Hunt, Nick sure. Chubb, that offensive line, 100%. and Miles Garrett. 100%. Uh, uh, terrified. Yes, 100 the, the notion that as disastrous as they appear to be, the notion this is a gimme for the Ravens, not a chance. Not a chance. And a lot of that has to do with the Ravens, frankly. Final chance for you to take advantage of Window Nation's best offer ever. Two free windows for every two you buy. Uh, no payments for two full years. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. One final week. And then that deal is gone forever. Period. End of story. Full stop, as the kids might say. When we come back in, we're going to talk some college basketball. Not a great week for Maryland since the last time we chatted with Patrick Stevens. Uh, they lost to George Mason, who then turned around and lost a couple of games. And they tried damn they tried hard as hell to lose to Hofstra. So what the hell's going on? We'll talk about that next. Patrick Stevens joins us. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Come in for Glory Burgers, Glory Wings. There's glory for everyone at Glory Days Grill. Enjoy their award-winning burgers, ribs, and wings, or try our fresh salads, hand-cut salmon, or our scrumptious sandwiches. Yum! Come in for our daily specials every weekday, like $6.99 burgers on Mondays and $5.99 nachos on Thursdays. And watch football on their big screens every Monday, Thursday, and Sunday. Dine in and let us serve you, or order online at glorydaysgrill.com. And take it home. Visit us at glorydaysgrill.com for a location near you. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in home consultation at 410 941 3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. <laughs> I've driven my tractor trailer millions of miles and I've seen it all. The next time you change lanes when driving, remember because of the sheer weight and size of my truck, 
I'm not able to stop quickly if you cut me off and break suddenly. One wrong decision could change our lives forever. Trucks need room to stop. Don't cut it close. Brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration. Looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A Catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer Day. What's up, everybody? This is Taz Bowser. I can't wait to see you guys for the Taz Bowser Show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on Pressbox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Taz Bowser Show. The next Taz Bowser Show is this Tuesday night, November 23rd at Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane. It's brought to you by Window Depot Baltimore, windowdepotbaltimore.com, and Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, duffysgaragemd.com, as well as Press Box and Grade 8's memorabilia. And the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, joins us courtesy of MyBookie. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. Thank you to those of you that have gotten in this morning with your uh, donations for helping up Mission. Thank you to uh, Anthony. Uh, thank you to Heather, who got in this morning as well. And even uh, Paul's mom. Thank you to uh, Susan for getting in this morning as well with your donations for helping up Mission. We're getting there, about halfway there of our goal of getting to 2,000. Please help us reach that number. Let's talk a little college hoops. It has not been a great week uh, down in College Park. Uh, I, I, I thought I might bump into this man on uh, Friday night, but he actually wandered down to James Madison for what I have to imagine was a better basketball game than Marilyn Hofstra. Joining us now, he is a friend. You read him in the Washington Post. You follow him on Twitter at Discourse, D1S Course. He's our buddy Patrick Stevens, and he's with us here on GCR. Patrick, what's going on, sir? How are you? I am well, Glenn. I'm all right. Uh, boy, we, you know, when we talked last, we knew things were a little shaky and there had been some, uh, some uneven performances from uh, the University of Maryland, and that, uh, that got even worse over the course of the next couple of days. Um, I don't even know that we can define it alone as being about the outside shooting. There, there just some, seems to be something almost seriously wrong with this basketball team. Well, the pieces aren't fitting. Yeah. I mean, I, I think is, is, is one really basic way of putting it. Uh, the outside shooting is certainly a big part of it. Uh, but I think the other thing you have to look at is, well, what was one of their big off-season pickups? It was Caduce Wahab. And now, basically, they find that they can't play Wahab against anybody, any, any five-man that's like 6'9 or shorter or has any sort of athleticism whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what ultimately got them against George Mason. Uh, at least part of what got them anyway. And then he, he didn't even play in the second half against Hofstra. Now, some of that gets solved, I think, by, by playing bigger Big Ten teams. Uh, but if, if your solution to, the, to your matchup issues is to just go hide a player, I mean, it, it's a solution. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a great solution. Right. Uh, but it's certainly a stopgap solution. But it also makes you wonder, you know, how did you kind of go about your roster construction this time around? At least, 
at least this time they had the they had the pieces that you would think of as being a good team a a, a short jet quick point guard a, a big man that can that can uh, rumble inside in the Big Ten uh, but right now those pieces are not me- meshing very well together and you know there's a couple other guys on that team that just simply haven't played all that great early on in the season and so I think there's a search here to try to figure out who actually is going to be able to help this team. I mean, realistically, if we were if we were sizing everybody up on the roster, other than maybe Julian Reese, is there is there anybody else that's been substantially better than what you thought they were going to be it's a very at this fair, stage yeah. of the season? I, mean, I, I think you could make cases for uh, Ian Martinez and Xavier Green, but I'm not sure you can go much beyond that. Well, and the problem being, those are guys that were like deeper down your 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 rotation, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you needed it to be guys that you were getting the, the the biggest minutes from. That were guys that were stepping up and and playing well, and that hasn't been the case. So the good news is now the schedule really lightens for them. Um, they got the, <laughs> <laughs> they got to go down to this tournament, the Bahamas. Um, let me start with Richmond. That's a team that I know a lot of people were really excited about coming into the year. Are are they as good as maybe people thought they were? Well, I mean, they have they have a couple losses early on. It's a good team. They lost to Utah State by 11 in a game that was closer than that most of the way in the Veterans Classic down in Annapolis. And right. they lost by three to Drake, a team that uh, was an NCAA tournament team last year. They struggled with Hofstra just like Maryland did. Uh, they and they beat they beat Georgia State pretty good, and that's a team that's usually pretty good in the Sun Belt. So, so here's the bad news about uh about Richmond. They've got a mobile big man that shoots a lot of threes. Oh, good. <laughs> So uh, Grant Golden, who's been in school for I think seven or eight years now, uh, but but he's a guy that uh, that uh, is going to provide fits for Maryland come Thursday. I mean, I don't think there's any question about it. They're also extremely old. I mean, they have four fifth-year guys, at least fifth-year guys, because Golden's technically in the sixth year. Uh, but you know, f- four guys in their starting lineup who are in their fourth, in their fifth year or beyond. Uh, so Golden, they've got Nate Ko in the middle as well. Uh, they got Nick Sherrod, who's a an ace shooter that's back from a AC, a second ACL tear, and then Jacob Gilliard, who is one of the best defensive players you're going to see all season. Uh, and he's a guy that's uh, you know he's plenty familiar with Fats Russell. Let's put it that way. Those guys have gone back and forth a lot over the years. Uh, so this is this is going to be a tricky matchup for Maryland, uh, particularly figuring out how to deal with Golden. I, I think this is another one of those games. Well, where you're going to see more of Julian Reese than a Caduce Wahab. Uh, he's Patrick Stevens. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Patrick, I know, you know the expectations surrounding Maryland coming into the season is that we weren't going to have to talk about did they need to have quality wins to get themselves into the tournament, but you know maybe we should at least have a brief conversation about that. Are there is there opportunity? to get those types of wins down in the Bahamas this week that could be beneficial to them if they end up in that that world come Selection Sunday? I think Richmond's going to find itself in the tournament mix, and I think that Mississippi State in particular of the two teams on the other side of that bracket has a lot of promise. I'm not quite as sold on Louisville at this point, and not because they lost to Furman, who's pretty good, but that's another team I think that's having some early season issues with do the pieces fit or not? Uh, and they had a lot of guys that they brought in. Noah Locke from Florida. Uh, they Baltimore native, yeah. From Miami. I mean, they got a bunch of that. Yeah. Jared, Jared West from, from Marshall. So, you know, I think Mississippi State's probably, if you if you put me on the spot to say who's going to come out of there with two wins right now, that would be the team that I would pick out of that 4 group. 
Okay. Um, anything that was particularly notable on the local front over the course of the last week? Well, I thought Towson gave Pitt a good run. Yeah, that's night. true. Yeah, great you point. Know? Yep. And, and that would have been a that would have been a good win for them, even if this isn't a particularly good Pitt team. Uh, so now Towson has an interesting scenario. They play this afternoon against Penn. Uh, right, and, and then they then, go out to Vegas. And, yeah, they that's go a... out to Vegas. They have to play. They have to play. They basically fly out tonight, uh, and then they'll play an undefeated San Francisco team that just beat Morgan State. Uh, that that, uh, that um, you know six and zero at this point. So that's a that's a pretty tough scenario. And I think it's also worth noting, you know, Navy uh, picked up a couple really solid wins over the over the weekend. Granted, I don't know if anybody really wants to talk that much about a forty seven thirty three game against Radford. Um, but they beat they beat that same Furman team uh, that that lost to Louisville or beat Louisville. So. Uh, you know, I think if you're Navy, you have to feel pretty good about being three and one at this point. I mean, I think Furman is a team that can contend for the SoCon title. Radford's got a new coach, but the Big South is fairly wide open. Uh, and then obviously the Virginia victory uh, to start off the year. So, you know, a good start, I think, overall for Navy, who gets Washington College Wednesday afternoon uh, and then plays up at Mount St. Mary's on Saturday. And should be noted, you know, Mount St. Mary's was able to go pick off a victory against Robert Morris, a team that. They had played for years and years and years in the NEC before uh, Bobby Moe left for the Horizon League. So Mount St. Mary's 2-4 and four as they head into that Navy game. Yeah, and I saw Coppin came up just short last night against Cleveland State, like really rallied back, got it back within a point. But I think actually took a lead at one point, but ultimately and, fell short. And they picked, and they picked up their first victory last week oh, right. in Loyola. Yep. So they've got their, their – they still have a lot of road games still to come, but – the really grinded out portion of the schedule for them is just about done with. They play tomorrow up in Buffalo against Canisius and then Saturday at East Carolina, and then things kind of level off a little bit from there to something a little more manageable. I know this is always a uh, big week on the national front with all the various tournaments, the the Maui tournament that's happening in Vegas this year and the NIT and all of these, you know, there's, there's one of these things everywhere. I, I assume that the the headline is Gonzaga and Duke on Friday, correct? And Gonzaga and UCLA tonight. Oh right, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know? Vegas. Yep. Great point. Which, yeah. Which you know, a lot of lot of good things there. First off, you know, it's a it, it's it's a matchup of last year's great uh, national semifinal. Uh, obviously, Jalen Suggs not around to have an encore, but all those UCLA guys are back. So this should be an interesting test. UCLA gutted out one in overtime about a week and a half ago against Villanova. A day later, Gonzaga handled Texas pretty good. So this is a good, I think, second serious test for both of those teams. It's funny, you go back and you, you, this is actually a game that was thrown together fairly late because UCLA was supposed to be playing up in the Legends Classic this week along with Texas and Virginia and Northwestern. Uh, and then the Legends Classic got moved from Brooklyn to Newark and uh, UCLA and Texas said, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. So... Uh, <laughs> So instead, we get Gonzaga and UCLA. So, so we should be thankful for yeah, for that bit of scheduled chicanery. Also, worth uh, worth mentioning uh, a return to the mic, a return to courtside for Dick. Oh Hall yeah, tonight yep. On ESPN, I know uh, you know a lot of people rooting for rooting for Dick Vitale with the with his cancer diagnosis. Uh, and I know you know having seen enough of the the Twitter videos and whatnot, he's really really excited to be back courtside. So that that's a good thing as Th- well. Thank you for that reminder. I did see one of his videos too, and yes, and 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 I know that people Maryland fans have had a, an interesting relationship with Dick Vitale over the years, but 
I can tell you he has been unbelievably good to us, and he's one of the nicest people that you will ever come across in this business. Whatever whatever you think about it, he is one of the nicest human beings. And um, at, at 82, I'm, I'm very happy to see that he is, uh, he's, he is, he's winning this battle and uh, able to get back to work right now. That is an awesome thing. Uh, no pun intended, by the way. All right, uh, Patrick Stevens, let's play the game. Can you name the players that this particular player has played for? I've got a guy, and I don't know how we haven't done him before. I think I might have thrown him out at one point. We just didn't end up using him, but i got to get through all these names, so we're going to do it today. It is tricky because it's seven teams. Wow. So I'm, I'm acknowledging this is a, a monumental ask. A two-time All-Star, a Silver Slugger winner, and a World Series champion at one point. Can you name the seven teams for A.J. Pierzynski? A.J. Pierzynski. Good heavens. Yeah. Okay, well, let's start. He was a Minnesota Twins for sure. He most certainly was at the beginning of his career. And he was a Chicago White Sox for sure. For the most significant. You have knocked out 14 years' worth of H.A. Pierzynski. I so. believe he was an Atlanta Brave. He was. for You've named all the multi-season stops now for A.J. Pierzynski. I am thinking A.J. Pierzynski was a San Francisco Giant at one point. He was. In fact, it was between Minnesota and Chicago. All right. Uh, A.J. Pierzynski, the rest of the story. Um, gosh. It was, this, you've got was the. He in, was he in Boston? He was in Boston in 2014, 100%. I mean, at this point. Since yeah, I oh, I, don't, this is this is a win, yeah. <laughs> I mean, at this point, let's just throw the Dodgers out. I, I, you know what, it's a it's a reasonable guess, It and it's not that far off, but no, not a Dodgers. Not a Dodger. Um, and then let's, uh, thinking elsewhere, where else could A.J. Pierzynski have popped up? Gosh. Um, was he in Toronto for a second? Not Toronto, no. Okay. Paul, you think you know? You think no? Paul, Paul's. I have. Oh, 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 we'll fix that real quick. Paul's a baseball nerd, too. Yeah, so. I, I hate A.J. Pierzynski like, with a passion. Well, then this is probably not the one uh, yeah, for you. I, I have no idea. San Francisco? I already got that. Oh, sorry, Texas. Sorry, Texas was the one. Texas, yes. Texas and St. Louis. Texas and St. Louis were the other two stops for A.J. Pierzynski. So since you did – How many games apiece for those two? They were – one was – the Texas one was nearly a full – Texas was a full season. Okay. Uh, St. Louis was only 30 games. 30 games in St. Louis for A.J. Pierzynski. And since you did well with that one, I don't necessarily need to give you a a cakewalk. I don't need to just hand you a Hall of Famer for a a four-teamer. So I've got a, a list of guys that played for uh, three teams and a list of guys that played for four teams. That's or Sorry, for four teams and five teams. That's how we're doing this. So how about instead, I, I think you'll do. I think you'll go four for four on this one. Uh, Wally Joyner, four Wally teams. Wally Joyner. That's actually tougher than you'd think. Oh, all right. I, well, he was certainly a California Angel. He most certainly was. And I believe he was a Kansas City He Royal. most certainly was, yes. And he was in... San Diego, he most right? certainly was. So you're missing the the final. Oh, and it's actually he went back to California. So I'm not I'm wrong about that. But there was a one year stop that I thought you would have remembered. A one year stop for Wally Joyner. Yep. Somewhere. Um. Gosh. Um. Time's ticking, huh? Uh, Wally Joyner might have been a. Uh, I'm trying to remember where he was. Was he in? 
Is he in Atlanta? That's the one. Four for okay. four on Wally Joyner. Nailed it. Well done, sir. What's uh, what's on the docket for you this week? It's a doubleheader day today um, with uh, Penn and Towson coupled with American and UMBC at night. Uh, and then uh, and then I think I'm going to catch Loyola's non-D1 game tomorrow. Haven't seen them in the regular season, so that's a tomorrow afternoon game over at uh, over on Cold Spring Lane. And then uh, and then it's a little TBD. I think I'm going to make it up to that Mount St. Mary's Navy game on Saturday, though. Cool. Uh, but it should be a fairly quiet couple of days otherwise. At, at, the end of the week. at Discourse, D1S Course is how you follow him on Twitter. Patrick, uh, very happy Thanksgiving to you. Let me know if you're up in my neck of the woods. Uh, thank you, as always, my friend. We will talk to you next week. Awesome. Thanks so much, Glenn. Patrick Stevens joining us as he does each and every Tuesday here on GCR to talk about the world of college basketball and the only man that I know that would have remembered off the top of his head four teams that Wally Joyner played for in his career. Hour number one of today's show is in the books. It's been brought to you by Glory Days Grill. $5.99 nachos on Thursday. I get it this Thursday, not the day, but most every other Thursday, $5.99 nachos at Glory Days Grill. $6.99 burgers at Glory Days Grill. They are the place to be. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website. Get your order in, and uh, I highly recommend the barbecue cauliflower wings. Make your weekend. You're going to do so much cooking this week. Like, there's going to be so much cooking involved that by the time you get to the weekend, you're not going to want to do anymore. So let them do the cooking for you at Glory Days Grill. When we come back in, I want to talk more about John Means. We'll do that next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is coming soon to Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Maryland, this is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification. CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. All good things come to an end, which is the case with Window Nation's best offer ever. You can still get two free windows with every two purchased, plus no down payment, no monthly payment, and no interest payments for two years. But hurry, because this stellar deal ends this month. Cold weather is here, natural gas prices are the highest they've been in years, and wasting energy with old, inefficient windows will cost you a fortune. Get two free windows with every two you buy, plus pay nothing for two full years. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. From all of the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while at MyBookie. Start by doubling your first deposit instantly with MyBookie's first deposit bonus up to $1,000. Double your money before you even place a bet, and all you have to do is sign up and deposit using the exclusive promo code PRESSBOX at MyBookie.ag. If your first deposit is $100, MyBookie adds $100 so you can start with $200 to play with. If your first deposit is $1,000, MyBookie adds $1,000 so you can start with 
with $2,000 to play with. With tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week, there is truly something for everyone. Don't wait any longer. Head to MyBookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can start winning big today. That's promo code PRESSBOX to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account. No hassle, no wait. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR into hour number two of the program. Coming up later on this hour, Jarrett Bell from USA Today is going to check in with us. He's wondering if the Ravens are getting, like, divine intervention the way that things have gone this season, which I get it, but again, like, it's... I. We'll talk about it with Jared Bell. It's a it's a very weird it's a very weird concept. I understand what he's trying to say, but the actual reality is that they are getting extraordinarily bad luck, unbelievable bad luck. They are making it happen for themselves. That's what's going on. Hey, if you're looking for a simple holiday meal, try Chick Fil A catering from Chick Fil A nuggets to mac and cheese. Enjoy a variety of tray options, sized perfectly for your get together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. All right. Uh, asked you earlier today to respond. Got a bunch of responses from you on Twitter to this uh, report from Buster Oney that the Baltimore Orioles are apparently at least discussing the possibility of trading John Means this offseason. Again, the, uh, the tweet from Buster Oney says, other teams say the Orioles are dangling left-hander John Means for trade. He's set to make about $3 million in arbitration coming off a season in which he pitched great in the first half, 2.28 ERA, struggled in the second half, 4.88, and had shoulder issues. So my question to you, does it bother you? Would it bother you? Like, what is your reaction to the idea that the Orioles are perhaps dangling John Means in trade conversation? From Sam, uh, trading him makes too much sense, honestly. I think if you can get uh, acquire real talent, it's worth the conversation. This team's not winning yet. Current assets should always be available. I believe our starting our contending starting rotation isn't on the Major League roster at this time. I hear you, Sam. As uh, we talked about down the stretch this season, you do have to keep in mind that the reality is the pitching's not there coming up. The notion that they've got uh, rotations worth of pitchers that are thought of and scouted to be quality major league pitchers is a fallacy. There are two. And D.L. Hall's kind of a question mark at the moment. There's one. There's one guy that is thought of to be a sure thing as far as a future starting pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles. Now, that doesn't mean, as was the case with John Means, it doesn't mean that some of these other guys, the people look at their numbers and the minors and say, this guy's really impressing me. doesn't mean these guys can't pan out. It doesn't mean that at all. Again, nobody looked at John Means and said, this guy's going to end up being John Means. But the notion that the Orioles have a rotation's worth of starting pitchers that have been scouted and are believed to be sure things as major league pitchers is not only not the truth, it is far from the truth. Even if you count D.L. Hall still, and I get it, like he's been scouted that way, 
but injuries are the reason why we're concerned about D.L. Hall. That's still two. And the second one is a question mark. So, you know, the, the second part of that, the, the believe our contending starting rotation isn't on the major league roster at this time, I don't know that it's in the minors either. <clears throat> and this goes back to, you know, their strategy for how they drafted and whether or not they should have been drafting some pitchers at some point instead of just always taking bats with the high picks that they had. But, you know, this is the reality of the circumstance that they're in. From, uh, from TR, uh, this again asks the question, when are they actually going trying to win? Five years from now, there is no plan and no timetable if you continue to trade every legitimate player on the roster. Are you going to get back someone who will be as good as Means? Likely not. Well, there's, there's a few layers to that, right? Like, how good is John Means? It's part of the, the, what they're asking themselves. You can be mad and not like Buster Olney, but it's not wrong to point out that John Means was not the same guy as the, you know, the season went on and that the injury appeared to be an issue. A lot of people have said the quiet part out loud, which has been related to the sticky stuff and whether or not John Means was someone who was significantly impacted by that and I don't I can't say that with any amount of certainty but I certainly understand the evidence is presented as to why that question would be asked I get why that's something that we would be discussing if John Means in particular was someone who was impacted by the sticky stuff conversation Um, so you start with that is part of the reason the Orioles are having this conversation because they're not sure internally just how good John Means is or how good he's going to be moving forward. I think it's a relevant question that has to be asked. John Means doesn't have... We're not talking about someone who has five seasons of a dominant track record, right? That's the reality of what you're dealing with. We think John Means is a pretty good pitcher. And earlier this year when we were paying attention because he was throwing a no-hitter, he was a damn good pitcher. But when you guys kind of stopped paying attention, we all did stop paying attention, other than Paul. When we all stopped paying <laughs> attention this year, it didn't go so well. And they've got to figure out internally what that's all about. So it might be that they can't get a haul for John Means, but they might say, we're not sure he's ever going to be right again, and we need to try to get as much as we possibly can. And that's sort of a complicated part of this. Is I can't say with any amount of certainty what John Means is going to be moving forward. Two-thirds of his starts the last two seasons, his ERA is over four and a half. Which, I mean, he's a lefty. When he's good, he's really good. When he's bad, he's given up a ton of homers. And he's given up six runs in five innings. I'm not defending getting rid of John Means by any stretch, but... What I'm saying is, let's not act like he's an ace of aces. He's the Orioles' ace by default. Yeah, but I mean, like, anyone who pitches to a 3-6 ERA in the American League yeah. for a season, and I guess it was a you know not, not a full season, what do you make, 25 starts this year or something 26. like that? 26. 26 starts this year. Anyone who pitches to a, you know, roughly a 3.5 ERA, however you got there, is going to be a pitcher that would be worth a lot of money, you know, on the no, open market, right? Absolutely. If Eduardo Rodriguez can get five years, seventy-seven million, John Means can get a similar contract, mm-hmm. and he's younger than Eduardo Rodriguez. But mm-hmm. my, I, I guess my point is, you, when you look at what, the injury history, yep. uh, uh, combined with the ineffectiveness for good parts of the last two seasons, yeah, he threw a no hitter, and he had a two-two-eight ERA in the first half of the season, and he was really. I mean, for good. the first whatever it was, eight starts, he was as good as just about any pitcher in the, right. in, the in baseball, frankly, besides um, Degrom. Right, 
and, and, and I'd be inclined to keep him. But if the Orioles trade him, I mean, you you also are assuming that they're going to trade him for a bag of balls and a hill of beans. Like, it's, right, and I don't and I don't think they would. But I also don't know that it's insane. Like for them to be sitting there saying, "Look, we we think we know. Like we think we know that this is kind of fool's gold that we're mm-hmm. dealing with right now, and we're going to do as well as we can. But it's not going to be. We've got to get King's ransom, or we're not doing it. We, you know, we've. We've put on the, you know, all the video. We've 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 watched it over and over again and there's a problem here. And we're pretty confident it's not going to be solved. He's not going to be the guy that he was in the first half of the season. Now, I somebody would say how did, how could you possibly know that? You can't know that, of course. You're just trying to make calculated decisions based on the data that you have. And if the data that they have tells them that and they say, "Look, whatever we can get, we're going to go ahead and make the move right now." Because we're pretty certain that by the time we get to next offseason, it the value is going to be even less. Mm-hmm. I, 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 it's a risk. It's a huge risk. But I, I get it, right? I get it. If that's the case, you're you're in a tough spot with an asset, and one that you're not committing to buying out arbitration years. One that you're not committing to. We know this guy's going to be a part of the future for some time, so what are you doing? Now, the other part of the question, right, is relevant, and it's part of this entire discussion. When When is your timeline? I, I tried, I remember uh, you and I, uh, when you first started with us, like I had this, this deep conversation of, you guys are way off on what you think the timeline is for the Orioles. Like, they, they, this has not gone well. Mm-hmm. This has gone poorly. This has been the opposite. It's... They have faced, and that was before a pandemic hit when you and I were having that conversation, right? Like, they are way behind the eight ball in this process. And to me, best case scenario was this was a five-year story. We know damn well this isn't the best case scenario. We know damn well they didn't get anything from their trades that they made to start this whole process. And then they lost an entire year of minor league baseball and, and real development, right? Like, yes, some of these guys were at the alternate site and doing whatever they were doing, but they lost an entire year of development for a group of players. So what is it now? I mean, I don't want to be the one to tell you guys, but you're still, you got a couple of nice player positional player pieces. But the reality is I I still don't see a nucleus that's there for three years at this point. I think that's a little far off. I don't uh, – well, because, because, yeah, you're right. The, the pandemic is the biggest wrench in the spokes of this rebuild. It 100% I, I disagree is. that it's the biggest. The biggest wrench is them not getting the, talent in the trades. They yeah. got nothing. Yeah. They, Zero. That wasn't this trades. regime. That wasn't – that's It's a different thing. The, the rebuild starts – This you can say – I don't fault Mike Elias for it, and mm-hmm. that's totally fine. But when you do something like this, and part of this is the problem of letting a GM make the trades who you aren't going to tie to the result of the trades. These things have to work by starting with getting additional talent. Right. You, it can't just be about your draft picks. You have to find some other talent somewhere, and they haven't. They well, haven't found that. Now, maybe some of these other guys, maybe a Vavra, maybe you know some of these players that they've gotten in lesser trades since then could end up being helpful, but nobody's treating them as though they're centerpieces of the this solution. 
Right. Well, but you look at where this team is. They have the number one farm system in all of baseball. But that's, Acor- they have Adley Rutschman. Like, um, the moment Adley yeah, Rutschman the, graduates, they do not have a top three farm system in baseball. That's been made abundantly clear. Not, not top three, but still not top at all. ten. Still top, top ten, ten. that's which, fine. Which is still right. good. Right, and then you're you're spending money on the international market. You signed two seven figure players in, during the international signing bonus period last year. You have a twenty five million dollars. But those Dominican aren't players Academy. that are that are major league. Those they're not major league ready in three years. Like yeah, those aren't. Not, but but you might have Juan Soto in there. Juan Maybe, Soto, but you, you might. That's a lottery ticket that you're right, talking but, about. But but oh. neither ne- but neither one of us know. Well, I understand that, but point. in trying to practically figure out what a time frame is, I can't practically assume they have Juan Soto among their. They're international signings. No, but that, that, that's not necessarily my point. My point is they've done a lot of good no, since, since Elias has gotten Separate here. things. Right. Like, but I don't know, man. I just Three years, I think, is a little far off when you look at the talent that they have that's coming up right now. They have a lot of guys at the top of their system that are, that are going to be graduating in the next year or two. When you look at Kyle Stowers, you look at Grayson Rodriguez, you already got Mountcastle up here, Hayes, Mullins, but, Rutschman's going to be here. You look at the lineup, yeah, they don't have necessarily – all the pitching in the world. They don't have pitching but, at all. But that's but that's why you dangle trades like John Means or Cedric Mullins to trade for the pitching. A lot of teams don't have bona fide starters who are going to be difference makers in their in their system. They trade for these players. You look at how the how the Astros got them. They didn't draft Justin Verlander. They didn't draft Garrett Cole. They didn't draft Zach Greinke. You go out and you trade for these players. You sign these players. But the, and that's how you add your major league roster. But the Astros, better. some of those guys, they they were there before they acquired those pitchers, right? Like you're, we're talking now about again and trying to t- determine a timeline. In three years, I think the Orioles are in a place where if they they choose to spend money, they could, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if they will. I have no idea what's going on with that. But in three years, I think they could be the type of team that could go out and get whoever that is, whoever Justin Verlander is in three years. But right now, they're not doing that. And until the notion that in the next year or two, they're getting there, I don't know where that's coming from. Grayson Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman are the stars of this. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, I, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to these guys, but you're not banking a rebuild on Kyle Stowers, right? Like, nice player, guy I like, but if you make or break on Kyle Stowers, you got a lot of problems. Um, like, he's a nice player and hopefully is going to be a major league piece, right? Like, right. there's reason to think he can be a major league piece, but you're not banking all of this. There's two guys that this is banking on. So first, they both have to hit, right? Like, that's the first thing. They both have to hit. But even if they do, and even if they hit at the level that we think they could hit at, now you're talking about having six, six bona fide, legitimate, somewhere between good to high-level major league players on your roster? That's still not a nucleus. That's still nice pieces and good to have, but it's still not a nucleus. Three years is the most practical number that I can give you, right? Like, the the reality is I think it's equally likely to be five or six years as it is to be less than three years. Like, this is, there are so many things that go into this. You, first of all, in in the scenario where it's three years, you need this not to be an aberration for Cedric Mullins, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this, this has to be sustainable and not just some sort of magical season. Um, you need a lot of things to go right still for it to be three years where this all works out. But the question of what your timeline is is a very fair question. I'm, I'm not dismissing it. Well, I th- and it's I, been I, part I, of the problem of this entire conversation. As And at what point, and they were always going to have to deal with this, at what point was the fan base going to be bored with that? Because, as I said from the get-go, I don't think everyone was prepared for just how long something like this takes. 
and we definitely weren't prepared for combining that with a pandemic and none of the players they acquired in the initial portion of this working out. Well, I think, though, and, and this is the not the professional in me, this is the, the fan in me, if you have to go another three years before you can legitimately think that your team is a contender, this rebuild is an absolute failure. It, and you can make the argument that it already is because of the, the stuff they didn't get back in those trades, and I totally get that. I, I think for the sake of your city, the, the franchise, and the fans that you have, you can't go another three years. You, you just can't. I mean, it, I don't know how you're fixing that, though. It, like, it's that, a, well, by, by adding. By adding to the major league roster. You're talking about point, it spending, a, but you have to spend a massive amount of money in order to, to, to do that. And yeah. That's just impractical. Like, At some point, ownership has to step in and say, hey, look, this isn't built, this, this hasn't worked the way we thought it would. We have to do it. We have to try a different route. Because three years from now, you're in, what, year seven of a rebuild? You, that's too long. That's too long. I mean, the Astros didn't take that long. The Tigers certainly haven't taken that long. The Blue Jays didn't take that long. You can't take seven years to rebuild a ball club. You just can't do it. You're certainly going to get bored. There's no question about it. You're going to lose the fan base in the process. There's no doubt that's true. I'm not arguing with that, but you can't, like, to say you can't take that long, you got to tell me how it's being sped up. Like, that, I I understand it's not good. I understand you don't want it to be that way, but you're going to have to paint a picture for me of how it's being sped up from there. I think my point is that. If you can't build a team in seven years, then you're not trying. And at, at that I mean, point, but that's, at that, but at that point, know that, then, but you've already made the team. argument for why that's not true. Like, like the, it wasn't John Angelos's choice that Dan Duquette was kept on past when he wanted to be here, and he was the one that made the trades that didn't work out, and then Mike Elias had to inherit that. Right? No. That's not John Angelos's fault mm-hmm. that things played out that way. He didn't make those decisions. That was someone else making that decision. Sure. So now he gets dealt with this, and there isn't talent that comes in from those trades, right? Nothing that Michael Elias can do about that. Nothing that John Angelos can do about that. That was they inherited that problem. So when we say, "Hey, it's been seven years," their answer is, "No, it's not. It's not seven years for us, right? Like you guys are still mad about the last year with Manny Machado. That's not on us. We didn't do that. That's not our fault." Combine that with one of those years there was a pandemic and you guys are being unfair. Like what you're asking for is not practical. It's just not practical. It's not reasonable. We drafted fairly well, although there are problems there too, right? And this question about whether or not they should have always been drafting bats with the high picks, that's a fair question to ask of Mike Elias. Is that the right? Did they have a, a poor strategy? for saying we're only going to draft bats when we have high picks. That's all we're going to do. It's a fair question to ask. I don't have the answer as of right now. I'm not counting 2018 as part of this. Uh, when I'm saying three years, I'm thinking 2025, and that, that first year starts in 2019, your first year under Mike Elias. 2018, I know, has nothing to do with this other than the fact that they made trades that just ended up being awful. I totally get that. I just, at what point, what are you, and, and just because you, you're, you're now the owner or the, the, the talking head for this organization and your regime inherited this load of crap doesn't mean that you shouldn't try because you feel like, well, I didn't – that had I don't know what you mean by shouldn't try. I don't know what that means. That's, I'm struggling with that. What does that mean, shouldn't try? I guess it's just something to say when, I, when what I really mean is at some point you have to emphasize winning. But, it, and, but and, what, what you're saying is at some point you abandon this in favor of spend money to try to win. I think that there's a point where you have to. 
I don't think they're there yet. But I think if they, if like you said, it's going to take three years, or you're thinking more so closer to five to six years rather than less than three. At some point, you have to jump ship and you got to start spending money. Otherwise, I don't. Just, you just don't, have a baseball team for the sake of having a baseball team. I don't, sell the team. I mean, but that. It's not a thing, man. You know what I mean? Like, just saying sell the team doesn't mean anything, right? Like, it's that's not a thing. It's, there's, a, there's a bunch of stuff that they have to jump. They could sell the team. It's a, but there's a no, lot but, that but they have to no, go they, through. But that's, uh, Paul, I, and I mean, I mean this with all due respect. It's worthless. That's not a no, – nobody's selling the team unless they want to. If they want to, they can sell the team. That, it's not a thing, right? Like, it's what fans say to say things, right? Like, we're mad, so we say sell the team. They've been saying it in D.C. about their football owner for a, a billion years. He's not selling the team. They're profiting. Like, that's, it's just not a thing. They're not just going to do it because you're unhappy about the fact that the team is losing. That's just not it's, – it's a different world. It's something that I'm, we – I'm not saying that I want them to sell the team. Right. What I'm saying is if you're going to own a team – and I feel the same way about Dan Snyder in, in Washington. If you're going to own a professional team, why would you not try to win? Well, I, I well, get when the I, answer is it's not that we're not trying. They're just not good at it in DC, yeah. right? Like they're not good at it. They don't know how to do it. They're in, they're frankly incompetent in DC when it comes to that, right? But they're still profiting. They're still making money. It's not happening. He's not selling the team. As mad as everybody is, that's not that's not going to be something that's a curse. So you're just sort of when we talk about it that way, you're just kind of wasting breath, right? And I get it. You're venting in frustration. I understand it. Like everybody has a right to be frustrated. If I was in DC, my God, I can only imagine how frustrated you are with the football team, right? Like I can only. But in talking about it, it's just not practical. That they're not selling team. I don't know what John Angelos is ultimately going to plan to do. I have no clue how it's all going to end up working out, right? Like I don't know what's happening there. But the idea of if you don't, if you're not winning a World Series, you should just sell the team. We're smarter than that. Like we just know that's not, what that's I'm not the way either. that it works. What I'm saying is, is if your team isn't winning, if your team is winning, if you're playing 500 ball or better, it, next year, two years, three years from now, I'm not saying sell the team. I'm not even saying that sell the team is the answer. What what I'm saying is, and it's because there's already been speculation. That they might be. They, they've been talking about this for a couple I mean, of years. And that's a different conversation. These are two different conversations, right? And that's why I say I don't know what they're going to do. I have no clue. I really don't. I don't know how this is all going to work out when Peter Angelos passes away. And it, I don't know any of those things. Mm -hmm. I do not. I'm not sure if, if, if it's known by the people that are involved. Now, John Angelos has made it very clear. The Baltimore Orioles are going to be here for forever, right? Like, as long as Fort McHenry is standing over the harbor, the Baltimore Orioles are going to be here. I'm not, so I don't involve myself in the um, conspiracy theory side of it. Like, I don't get, I don't, I, I dive don't think into they're going to move the team. I don't dive into those waters. I don't know what the plans are long term. I don't have that answer. But the concept of if you're not winning, you should just sell the team. It's 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 this lovely thought that we have about as fans like everybody should always be hell bent about winning and that's the way that it should work. But we have too much evidence that stacks up. We know that's not the way it actually works. You own a team to profit off of it. That's the reason why you own a, a team. That's the reason why you own any business. You own a business to profit off of it. That's the way that it goes, right? If you can't profit off of it, then you sell it. Or if you get bored, or if it's not worth it, then you sell it. The, the, there's the, the idea that winning is the reason why you should own a team. Nice thought, right? Like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fairy tale. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just not the way the world works, right? Like we, we know that. We have way too much evidence. We're far smarter than that. There are plenty of teams throughout baseball that don't win, and their owner doesn't just sell the team because they know that they can profit off of it. That's the right. way that it works. But then, 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 but it doesn't mean that you can't be frustrated by it. I certainly understand that. And there are plenty of people that are. There are plenty of people that are very frustrated by it. 
Um, and you have every right to be frustrated by it. As a fan of a team, as somebody that's invested in it, you want you want the team to win. I totally get it. But, you know, we got to be more practical about having the conversation. The, the practical part of it is, is at some point, at some point, if this concept doesn't work, should you do something else? Yeah, I mean, you should. But are they going to? I mean, this is the warning that you got. When David Sampson came on with us and was like, dude, I'm just warning you, right? Like, I, I know they're trying to be like the Astros, but I also know that Miami for years, we would say we were rebuilding and we weren't doing anything. All we were doing is just putting the team out on the field to go collect money. That's it. And we're just telling you that we're re- rebuilding. There isn't really a plan. And at some point in this process, you're going to have a right as a fan to say, I don't believe there's a plan any longer. And some people are already there. I don't believe that you guys actually have a plan other than to just put 25 major leaguers on the field, try to charge us money to go see him because, you know, there's only two major league teams in town. And so there will always be a certain number of people that will always spend enough money that you can profit off of it. And you want to keep your payroll uh, slim and you can make money and you got a TV deal. And so life is good for you. And there is danger of that. 100% there's danger that at some point in this process, it's no longer a rebuild. It's just this is who you are as a franchise. There isn't a plan any longer, right? Like, at, there is danger to that. There, it's, I can't tell you that you're wrong. I don't think you're there yet because I think right now you still need to be practical about the circumstances that surround this. You have been badly hurt by a pandemic and badly hurt by the fact that you didn't get any players in the trades that you made when you had assets to trade. The the post-2014 thing was such an abomination that it likely set your franchise back a decade. A decade. Because you failed so miserably in the decisions that you made post-2014 season. You did not identify a window then. Now, to follow it up, you needed to identify a window now. Okay, what's your window? And start making decisions based around those windows. Buy players out of arbitration years. Start saying, we think we got a three- to five-year window here. But do things that make people like you, Paul, believe there's actually a timetable. And if it's three years down the road, I'll live, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I'll live if it's three years down the road. If there's evidence that it's going to work, if there's something that you present me that says you're going to have this piece here and this piece here and this piece here, and we're making sure that guys aren't walking, and we're committed. We think we've got it for for three years. The, the three between, what are you doing, 2024, the 2026, we think there's a window for us. And if if other pitchers don't work out, we'll spend some money on pitchers. That's what I would be doing as a franchise. Is there a danger that there there isn't? Yeah. There's danger to that. And, you know, is there a danger that there are new dark ages that set in? Or that some of it works, but the reality is you're still in the AL East, and even if it kind of works, it's not like it working in another division where you could be just good enough to sort of be a 500 team and nobody else is really trying. So, hey, hell, look at us. We're the best team in the division. Let's go acquire some pieces at the deadline. Like, all of these things are a danger. They're all... Well, yeah, They're all quite real. I think that the division you play in is the biggest factor of all of it because the, the other four sure teams... Sure, it's not one of them, yeah. The other four teams were all in playoff contention this year, and they're not going to get worse. You know, Tampa Bay has Tampa Bay has done, even though I don't necessarily agree with how Tampa Bay does it, because I think that you alienate fans by trading off all your best yeah, players. It's very cold. Um, Tampa Bay has figured out how to, how to sustain success with a low robotic. payroll. Yep. Uh, the, the Yankees and the Red Sox are always going to spend the money, and the Blue Jays have just built a monster there who I think is going to be 
but they're, you know, but they power. also to their they have to prove that they're going to you know keep those guys around long term. Yeah. Like, is Vladimir Guerrero going to be in Toronto long term, or is their window these couple of years and then it's over? Right? Like, they've got to prove that too in Toronto. There's, I don't think that they that they have shown that they're scared to spend the money though. The, the contract for George Springer, the contract they just gave out to Barrios. But this is a different type of money that you're talking about for a guy like Guerrero. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like well, this yeah. is this is a an astronomical figure and that most, you're talking about. Most franchises franchises aren't going to keep multiple 30 to 40 million dollar players you're going to find the one guy you're going to say this is the guy that we're building around we're going to give you all this money and then put the pieces around you it's still a small number of franchises that have right like they did it in in Colorado for a minute with Arenado and then they got scared off of it um you know San Diego obviously was willing to do it Philadelphia was willing to do it and you know people outsiders might look and say was it worth it Right? Was it worth it? Well, in San Diego, you created an interest that was absolutely not there, mm-hmm. but it hasn't translated. It hasn't gotten you to a World, a world Series. Hasn't gotten um, you to the playoffs. Well, it got to the playoffs in the previous year. It didn't get you to the playoffs yeah, this year. Yeah. I mean, I get it. A lot of teams got to the playoffs the previous year. Yeah. Um, from Brian Powell, I think uh, the Orioles have a problem because most fans think they're further along in the rebuild than they are. If they lose 100 games, I don't think Adley being up will satisfy the fans. I mean, the fans aren't satisfied right now. Uh, David, realistically, I don't think you can hold on to Means and Mancini, and you can't, can't, and you just can't trade Trey for the right return. I'm fine with it. Seems like it has to be done. Okay, uh, Steve, how can the pitching be any worse than this past year? This is how. Still, it would be a good move if we got a decent return based upon the results of past trades. I'm not confident that will happen. I hear you, um, Conan. Means hasn't put together a full season yet, and he's already 28. If we can get anything decent for him, it makes sense to move him. It's one of the things we were just talking about, Con. Uh, Nick Kelly, doesn't bother me if the Orioles receive fair compensation. I just don't know if he'll be a real asset to the team by the time the Orioles are competitive. All of these things, all of these things. It's it's more complicated. I, I can't be super emotional about it. I can't be because I think there are a lot of layers to something like this. I am, I'm not there yet. I'm not pissing vinegar. I'm not angry. But, and a lot of you have, have accused me that I should be angrier I'm I'll get there, right? Like I'll get there. If you go another year or two and there's no sign and you're still not buying guys out at arbitration years and there's no sign that you're committing to a certain window as being when you're competitive, I promise you I'll get there. I'll I'll be pissed at some point. I'm not there yet. Because I acknowledge, I recognize the things that have gone into this. They've been dealt a bad hand. And and we didn't even mention the Heston Kerstad thing in that conversation, right? Like right. that that's there's no world in which that's something that you saw coming. Now, a lot of you didn't like the pick to begin with, and so, you know, it's it's sort of a complicated thing, but there is no world in which they there was any thought that there was going to be a global pandemic that was going to leave him dealing with a heart condition, right? Like, that's insane. So it's been problem after problem after problem in trying to make this rebuild work. They're... I'm not telling you that I'm I know that it's going to I'd said from the get-go I don't know that it's going to pan out. And that was part of the problem. Like that, that I think a lot of people assumed that this is as long as you do these things, this is foolproof. You just follow the Astros plan. And I said then, yo, most teams that go through this don't work like the Astros. Don't work anywhere close to the Astros. The majority of teams that try something like this end up being the Cincinnati Reds and perennially rebuilding. That's the danger. The Reds have been pretty good the last. They've few been years. okay. They've been good enough to be good enough. Not even good enough. They've been good enough to be interesting. And I get that in context, we'd say, "Well, we'd rather have that than what we got in Baltimore." But would you? Like, would you really rather be five hundred? 
Is that? <laughs> I mean, in, that, what, in what context? If five hundred and building towards better, or five hundred perennial? But are you I building mean, towards better? Are the Reds definitely a team that's building towards something, or are they a team that's competitive enough until they let their players go to go somewhere else? No, no, I, th- I think they've shown a willingness to add to their roster to some to, pieces to, to get yes, better. But are they willing to, if they have something particularly special, are they willing to pay the absurd amount of money to keep it around to build around it? We don't know. That's the reality. We don't know. I, I, I want to circle back real quick because Proctor said it sounds like I want them to sell the team. I don't want the I don't want the Angeloses to sell the team. I want owners who are invested in winning, and I'm not convinced that they're not invested in winning. That remains to be seen. If you get to a few years from now, they're not winning, and then then they but they aren't still trying to add to the team at that point. That's when you have that conversation. Right now, I'm but, fine but with who's own, who owns but, the and team. That's the problem. There's no conversation to be had, right? Well, like there's never been a time where fans being mad about a team losing has led to a team choosing to uh, owner no, choosing no. to sell. There is zero examples of that. I, like now, there are examples of fans being mad and that leading to a team firing a coach, right? Mm-hmm. Like that does happen, but there are no examples of fans are mad and that's the reason why I chose to sell the team. I get that. Yeah, we're we're I, I don't, we're, I, over, I, we're over eternity in that. Department. I don't I don't think they're going to sell the team, but I think you're going to have a lot of fans who are who are yelling for them to sell the team if you get to that point. I know that it's not uh, it's not a thing that's going to happen. How many years people yell for Peter Angelo to sell the team? It's I I I'm try, I'm, all I'm saying is it's wasted breath. It's just wasted breath. That's all it is. I mean, like I I, I there's nothing I can do about that. I, I I wish that there was a world in which people being mad led to something like that. But we are it's a giant o for o for. There is not one example of fans being mad leading to the uh, ownership choosing to sell a team. There is right. not one. Nothing. I, I don't know that it's wasted breath, though. I mean, that's what fans are talking about. That's what we should be talking about, right? No, I, I think that we talk about that there are failures and that we they need to improve and things along those lines. But saying sell the team is just – it's that's nothing. It doesn't help anything. That's not going to it's, – it's like me sitting here today saying – um, you know, I don't come on here every day and say the Orioles should sign Carlos Correa yeah. because it's not going to happen. Fair enough. Because it's insane. Fair enough. Because we're just wasting our breath. We're wasting time on. It's not going to happen. By the way, I'd love it if the Orioles signed Carlos Correa. I mean, I don't know if it's the perfect thing to do, but it'd be wonderful if they were a team that was signing Carlos Correa. But I know they're not doing it, so I'm just not going to come on here and and waste any time with it. Um, it's just the the reality of the Fair circumstance. Enough. I don't want the Orioles to sell the team. All right. <laughs> All right. Anyway, the moral of the story is that today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Jarrett Bell thinks maybe the Ravens are getting some divine intervention. We'll talk to the uh, longtime USA Today NFL writer next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All good things come to an end, which is the case with Window Nation's best offer ever. You can still get two free windows with every two purchased, plus no down payment, no monthly payment, and no interest payments for two years. But hurry, because this stellar deal ends this month. Cold weather is here, natural gas prices are the highest they've been in years, and wasting energy with old, inefficient windows will cost you a fortune. Get two free windows with every two you buy, plus pay nothing for two full years. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. 
Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. I love driving my tractor trailer. And just like you, I just want to make it to my destination safely. If you drive too closely to my truck, I can't see you and you can't see what's in front of me. If I have to brake suddenly, our lives can be changed forever. If a truck stops quickly, can you? Don't tailgate trucks. Brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Mike Ashley dives in on 20 seasons for Brenda Freeze as the head coach of the Maryland women's basketball team as she looks back but also looks forward. Plus, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from every D1 program in the area. And the very first Baltimore interview with Elijah Green, the son of former Raven Eric Green, who could well be the Orioles' pick with the number one spot in next year's MLB draft. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. You've got questions. They've got answers. Sure, I mean, we'll go with that. It's Glenn and Paul on Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, don't forget, there's going to be a very special edition of the Press Box Fantasy Football Show, which is normally every Thursday morning at 11.30 a.m., but this week it will be tomorrow afternoon, Wednesday afternoon at 4.30. It's going to be a standalone episode of the Press Box Fantasy Football Show with myself and Ken Zalis, so you'll be able to get your questions in, get everything set before Thursday. I had an absolute miracle last night, by the way. Mike Evans on the play where he got hurt. If he had gone out of bounds one yard earlier, I would have lost. I won by one yard from Mike Evans on the final play that he was in for the game last night. Uh, but we'll talk about uh, that tomorrow with uh, Ken Zalis on the Press Box Fantasy Football Show brought to you by CCBC Glory Days Grill in the Maryland Department of Transportation. We will see you tomorrow afternoon, 4.30, for a very special edition of the show. Watch it live, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Listen, pressboxonline.com slash radio. Or you can see it uh, later tomorrow night or the next day at pressboxonline.com slash video. Um, yeah, a bunch of people, uh, including Aaron Wilson, I think was first reporting that the Texans are cutting Philip Lindsay. It was a name that had been tossed around when we thought the Ravens maybe would be in the market for a running back at trade deadline. It sure as hell couldn't hurt if if they want to let him clear. If he clears waivers, and I don't imagine who's putting a waiver claim in, although maybe I'm crazy. Uh, if he clears waivers, should the Ravens take a look? Yeah, I mean, my God, they don't have a running back. Sure. See if maybe Philip Lindsay can help. I, I don't know what the situation is with Le'Veon Bell. They said they wanted to bring him back, but why not? Why not take a look at Philip Lindsay? Because you don't have one. You, you have nothing in that department. Joining us now uh, at USA Today this week, he asks 
Are the Ravens getting divine intervention this season? Something that John Harbaugh threw out there after their most recent victory over the Bears. He is a longtime NFL writer and a friend to everybody in this town. He is Mr. Jarrett Bell, and he's back with us here on GCR. Jarrett, it's Glenn and Paul. Always good to catch up with you, sir. Thank you for taking the time, and happy Thanksgiving to you. Oh, I'm back at you, man. Um, you know, we're at this point of the year, and think about where we were last year Whew. And, and with the Ravens. Hold on one second. I, you're all right, Jay. You okay? <laughs> yeah, hold on one second. You're, you're all right. Jarrett Bell, USA Today, with us here on GCR. These things happen. It's the nature of, of doing things live. Sometimes things pop up, and you got to get them taken care of, and we understand that. And uh, hopefully Jarrett will be back with us. Hello. And, yep, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Got it. <laughs> you all right, Jay? Hey, you want us to call you back in like five minutes? All right, let's see if we can't. Uh, why, don't, why don't you grab Jarrett and 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 see if uh, we figure. Out. I don't know what's going on there, but we'll try to get him back here in just a couple of minutes. Jarrett Bell, I I John Harbaugh offered this quote after the Ravens beat the Bears on um, on Sunday. He said, and "I go back to Jarrett Bell's story." The quote: "Another miracle." Um, only God does things like that. This wasn't the press conference. This was talking to um, Jared Bell. Quote, I'm not afraid to stand up here and say that. We keep fighting. We keep persevering. You keep responding, and then you let God do the rest. I really believe he's got your back. That was how this all began. Jared Bell, USA Today, writing about it this week. Uh, let's see if we got him back. Jared, you good? Can you hear us okay? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I, I'm at home, and I got a plumber coming by. I got a bad faucet. Oh. Um, and so, yeah, that was just a service call. So I'm good. All right. I'm sorry about I'm sorry. It's better when they fix the faucet. Yeah, it would help 100%. You, wait, do you have people coming over this week? That's a real problem. Either way, all that, all of the above. But, uh, yeah, I need some divine intervention to get, <laughs> <laughs> to get my kids' sink together, man. So, so anyway. So there's so yeah. the, it's an injury. Right. So John Harbaugh throws this stuff out there, and that's it's totally fine. I have no problem with John Harbaugh. He's a man of faith, and, and, and he's allowed to say that. It, it's a weird thing, though, Jared, because in a way – I feel like he's actually taking away from himself in this by by he's almost deflecting credit that that in part belongs to him because I think part of the story is the Ravens it's remarkable what they're doing given the circumstances it's unbelievable that they're at 7 and 3 given all of the pieces they have lost playing a game without their quarterback on the road and an undrafted free agent playing and I think that a lot of the credit that you give to that look the bulk of it is to Lamar Jackson who's just otherworldly but I think a lot of it also has to go to John Harbaugh, right? Oh, totally. And and I would think that, you know, John um, is, is definitely a humble servant, if you will, to, to get spiritual for a second. And a lot of times when you are wired like that, you don't want to take credit. You want to give it to everybody else, including the man upstairs, which is all good. But I think from a... Um, observation standpoint and covering this league and knowing how it goes. You know, there are a handful of coaches who always seem to find a way where others don't. And I would put Harbaugh, uh, Sean Payton, mm. even though the Saints have lost three in a row, but still, over the course of, of time, Sean has proven to be one who is very adept at adjusting, adapting, putting out fires. And Harbaugh's at the top of that list. 
in that category as well. Bill Belichick is another one. Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin almost has to be on that list, right? Yeah, yeah, Mike Tomlin uh, for sure. And so um, those are that's those are your good coaches. And I don't know if Pete Carroll's on that list. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. We've seen things you know fall apart with the Seahawks, and not just you know this year. They're in a tailspin right now, but you know, yeah, there are some coaches. And, and like I said, Harbaugh is definitely in that mix who just are able to keep things together. They are the glue for, you know, getting through whatever we have to get through. Now, obviously, you know, your personnel department and, and in the Ravens' case, Eric DaCosta and, and Ozzie Newsom still before or after, you know, yep. they, they've done a great job of, you know, supplying the Ravens' coaching staff with options, with talent. And, it's you see it year after year, but you know, but Harbaugh's a guy who's sitting in the you know the driver's seat from week to week, and okay, what are we going to do this week to get ready to play this game? And he just does a phenomenal job with that. Jared, I, you know, and again, I I'd say it wasn't on Sunday because he didn't play, but Lamar Jackson is at the center of this as well, right? Like there's. Oh, they, totally. they they figured out a way to win against the Bears without Lamar Jackson. There's a few of these games this year. There's no way that they were going to figure out a way to win them if they didn't have yeah. Lamar Jackson on their side. All this being said, I think the question now becomes, they, they have gone through all of these things to be sitting here at 7-3. and three. And we look around and we say, well, we're not sure who else is really that good around not just the AFC, but frankly the entire NFL, right? Like, we no don't know. Yeah. yeah. So is, is, it, is it impossible to think – that despite their flaws and despite everything they're up against with all their injuries, that they could figure this thing out to the extent of making a deep run in the postseason. Yeah, yeah. And and look at where Tampa Bay was a year ago. Um, they were coming off a loss at home before Thanksgiving to the Rams, and then they had Kansas City on the schedule. They lost to Kansas City. They had also lost to uh, New Orleans, got got crushed at home earlier in November. And that's a great snapshot of what happens in this NFL. So a year ago, we probably would not have looked at the Bucks as doing what they ended up doing. But what happened after those losses to the Rams and the Chiefs, they had a bye week and then they put everything together and they didn't lose again the rest of the way. So you have to be playing your best football at the right time right. of the year. And I think all of these coaches know that. I mean, look at Kansas City and New England, for that matter, you know, where they were a month ago and where they are now. So you hit your stride at the right point. And and a lot of that has to do with injuries, right? If you've got certain players who have developed, um, your schedule, if you've got some favorable matchups, you know, these things come into play as well. But there's also the momentum and the confidence factor that once you start getting on a roll, you can build off of it. So I think we've got so much football left this season. When we get to February, that's what we're going to look back on. We're going to say, okay, well, this team was here in November or October or whatever. And so you think about when you think about the Ravens, yeah, 7-3, it gives them you know, some cushion. And so I looked at the schedule, and it's like, okay, they got all these division games. They got they got pounded by Cincinnati at home yep. a few weeks ago. Yep. So they've got they've, now they've got these you know, home and home with Cleveland, home and home with Pittsburgh, and another one with Cincinnati. So that's five games. And then you got the Packers and the Rams. And, you know, the, the, the Rams are no guarantee. Nope. Even though we got all this talent. Nope. And the Packers, let's, you know, it is Aaron Rodgers, but they just lost to Minnesota, right? So yep. 
I was about to say, yeah, the Ravens are in it as much as anybody. And, you know, good for them because they've had all of these issues. Jared, we were just talking a minute ago, um, the news this morning, the Texans have cut uh, Philip Lindsay, and he's still you know, got to go to waivers. And I don't know if maybe there is a team that would want to put a claim in on him. Maybe the Ravens would even want to put a claim in on him. I, the biggest concern that still exists for me is their inability to run the football with their running backs because right. you know they, they're asking so much of Lamar Jackson Again, you can get away with certain things when you're playing the Bears. It's a lot as you go through this portion of the schedule. I don't know that Philip Lindsay is an answer at this point, but I can't imagine he might not have something more to offer than the guys that you've thrown out there and, and Freeman and, and Bell for a little while and, and Latavius Murray. Is there any reason why the Ravens shouldn't be considering exploring, uh, you know, kicking the tires on Philip Lindsay? No, no, that's the word, kick the tires. You know, why not? And, you know, when you get to this point in the season – the running game becomes even more yep. impactful. And you have to have it, not so much that you have to really run your offense through it, but you have to be able to run when you need to run or when you want to run. Yep. So, yeah, that's, I think that's a no-brainer that they take a look at him. And I'm imagining Tennessee will be taking a look at him too, right? Oh, yeah, so sure. So there may be some competition. And, um, you know, I was in New Orleans about three weeks ago, I guess it was, and – Mark Ingram had come back to how good would he look right now <laughs> with the Ravens, right? But he came back to the Saints, and you know, there was the Houston didn't really have any use for him, they were going nowhere. And he was just ecstatic that he was back on a team that he was familiar with, one, um, but also being on a team where he had an opportunity to make an impact. So, um, you know, we've, we've seen it before. So, Philip is, is Lindsay the answer? Yeah, I don't know, but. Yeah, <laughs> right. There's you throw him in that mix. You never know. We may, we may be, get, we may get to December twenty seventh or something, and it's like, okay, Philip Lindsay is a starting. You know, you just some some of these things you just can't predict. No, but, no, yeah, not at all. And, but but your point, I think, is is well taken. There's just no reason not to. There's no reason to for you to say, nah, well, we're good. <laughs> you don't have it. There's yeah. nothing here. Like we can. I'm not, I don't dislike Latavius Murray and Devontae Freeman personally, right? Like they, they seem like good dudes, but it's just not working. This team can't yeah. run the ball with their running backs. Yeah, yeah. What? But hey, Freeman got the winning touchdown the other he day. He did. That did happen. You're not wrong about <laughs> yeah. that. That yeah. did occur. But but see, when you have Lamar back there, and like you said, you don't want to, you know, have to go to that well. But so often, I mean, it's a great X factor to have Lamar. And sometimes, like think back to that Detroit game. And at the end, and, you know, Lamar took it himself, that sort of thing. So he can do that for you, but that's not the ideal way. And right, so, right, exactly. You're, just, you're exactly. asking so much. You're asking so yeah, exactly. much of that, yeah. so, you know. So of all of the issues that the Ravens have on a week-to-week basis on their checklist, yeah, this one is pretty important. I, and, and you think back to how the season started. I mean, the whole running back room gets wiped out before the season opener. There's like no way this team's going to – going to go anywhere and here they are oh it's remarkable it's Jared Bell is with us from USA Today always appreciate him taking the time and Jared I what you just alluded to I think is why there is a strong argument that John Harbaugh is the coach of the year in the NFL and I get that you know we still have seven weeks so that to be determined right like it doesn't matter who's the coach of the year uh after at this point in the season because there's a long way to go but right now you know with I get that he's got Lamar Jackson but all due respect to everybody else this is 
I, I don't think people throw out the word like the Ravens are lucky. Like this is the opposite of that. They are they have dealt with extreme amounts of bad luck this season and yet are somehow sitting here at seven and three. Yeah, and sometimes you'd rather be lucky than good. Yep. Yep. <laughs> if, if that's gonna get us a W, okay, I'll be lucky. Yeah. As, as Harbaugh said, if it's gonna be divine interventions, I wrote a column uh, talking about that. I said, you know, it's not like there are, are not guys who are spiritual and who pray on all thirty. Correct. Days, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't think. <laughs> if there's a deity, if there, if if God exists, I don't think he's personally chosen that the Baltimore Ravens or or, or she has chosen that the Baltimore Ravens are the singular football team that they care about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you think about, remember that movie that Morgan Freeman was, like, playing God? I think it was, um, oh, Jim Carrey, uh, Bruce Almighty. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. Right? Yep, right, right, right. <laughs> so yep. you can just picture, like, Morgan Freeman, you know, checking his fantasy lineup. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, I got no Lamar. Oh, I got to do something here. <laughs> so, that's, so, what, yeah. that's what God uh, is worried about on a day-to-day basis, is who wins the Ravens-Bears game. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, again, when you're a person of faith, like Harbaugh is, and you are a leader of right. men, yep. you know, your character matters and what you draw on, and your faith matters and how you – um, are able to impart that on your team in in ways like okay, let's stay poised, let's stay positive, let's you know support this guy who's having to step up. I mean, just kind of how you manage, you know, on a day to day, hour to hour basis is you know is essential. So I think that's where, if nothing else, Harbaugh you know has a source of strength that that can't be ignored. And you can we can all question where it comes from, how it comes. But to your point, he is definitely uh, coach of the year worthy at this point and, and, and probably as this thing goes on will continue to be. Jared, before I let you go, how, how nervous should everybody be in Baltimore about what's going on with the New England Patriots right now? Like It, it, <laughs> it concerns me a great deal. <laughs> yeah, I saw them on Thursday night uh, here in Atlanta. And, um, you know, I think this is kind of what we thought the Patriots would have to be if they were going to, to make a run. And with the extra playoff team this year, I kind of thought that this would be a possibility for them in terms of that. Now, I didn't think they would be leading the division. I was thinking wild card, but they still have two games to go with Buffalo. Yep. They haven't played the Bills yet, so that's what will probably determine the AFC East. But, yeah, you should be nervous about the Patriots because – their defense is playing well. It's playing better now. And what they've done in the last month with the rookie quarterback, Mac Jones, has been, you know, sneaky good because they knew they had a rookie quarterback and it was going to take time. He's going to have growing pains. All of that they knew. But what they've done is kind of changed the, the expectations for him. They, they lessened them over the past month in terms of what he does in the passing game. So, I think the first month of the season they let it rip with him. Now they are much more controlled with, you know, how they operate the passing game to, to take him out of trouble. And you know that's that's common sense in the NFL, yep. really. Because you think back to years ago with the Ravens when like Joe Flacco was a rookie, right? Yep. And yeah, and they're playing this incredible football with a rookie quarterback. But what did they have with it? They ran the they ball. They had a game, yep. right? And and they took the pressure off of them. Well, the Patriots have been able to to really kind of find the formula so far with with Matt Jones and and keep him out of trouble 
and we'll have a shot. And that's 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 the NFL these days. It, in game to game, week to week, and also throughout the season, just stay in the hunt yep. and get hot at the right time and play good football and know your football. So yeah, the Patriots. They've got the longest winning streak in the NFL right now. Yeah. Did you, did you know that? Yep, they sure do. Yep, and, five in a row. And, and they've asked him to make a couple of throws, and, and he's made a couple of decent throws. Like, they're doing exactly right, and you're starting to see signs that maybe he's got even more to offer, and that's that's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. really terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, you know, when we, get, when we get to the end of it, it'll be the same things that are always there to determine who's going to really – you know, make the run. It'll be, you know, obviously health and, and sure. you know, some of the things we've talked about today. Can you run the ball when you need to and not make mistakes and and, and all of that, have good defense. You know, all these things are going to be the, the factors that determine it, and it's too early right now to say, you know, who's going to do it with the most consistency. So that's the other thing. Let's see who gets consistent as they get hot. So. At Jarrett, at Jarrett Bell on Twitter is how you follow him. Of course, USA Today, usatoday.com. Jarrett, uh, my hopes that you get uh, everything taken care of with your faucets, sir. And, yep. um, and and may you, your family, have a really great Thanksgiving. Thank you, as always, taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. All right, my man. You take care. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, Jarrett. Jarrett Bell, longtime uh, USA Today NFL writer, columnist. Appreciate him hopping on with us this morning. I don't have any issue. I, it's a, it's a thing that I struggle with, right? Because I'm not a particularly religious person. Um, if if anything, I'm agnostic. I'm not even sure if I'm agnostic. I think I am. I think I'm agnostic, is what I am. Um, and and my opinion about it is sort of similar to the way that I feel about politics, right? Like I don't really care if if John Harbaugh, you know, wants to talk about his faith and and his religion. Like as long as that doesn't interfere, as long as he's never going to cut a player because they don't have the same beliefs that he does. As long as it never impacts the way that he makes football decisions, I have no no beef whatsoever with John Harbaugh expressing his opinions and his beliefs. In the same way that I have no beef with um, players expressing their opinions and their beliefs about you know various topics. Right now, when they become extreme, when they become you know problematic, right? Like if a player expresses a belief that you know, all, all all gay people are are evil and and should be you know sent to an island somewhere. Then yeah, I'm gonna have a problem with that, and that person's not gonna work in a locker room. There's just no way if you're if you are so deranged that that's what you think, then there's no way that you can function in in a, a society, right? Like it just can't operate that way. But if you're just someone who happens to be religious, I got no beef with that at all. I would never have any beef with that. In the same way, I don't have a problem if you're a Republican, a Democrat, whatever the hell you are. You know, like whatever you're into, that's your thing, and that's the libertarian part of me, right? Like God bless, you know, do whatever you Papa bless, do whatever you want to do. Um, and I've never had. There have been inklings that I've been given of times where it was a little problematic with John Harbaugh. Frankly, once upon a time, the bigger, like, there was a real problem. Religion was a real problem in the Ravens locker room once upon a time. Once upon a time before John Harbaugh was here, there was a real problem that existed, and it wasn't had nothing to do with Brian Billick. It was within the locker room where there was a separation between like the God squad and the rest of the roster. That was a thing that actually happened and was a problem for the Ravens once upon a time. Um, I've gotten a couple of inklings where like, there were players that were kind of turned off by how much John Harbaugh tried to lean into religion at times, and like it just didn't it didn't mean anything to them. And they, you know, sometimes they could roll their eyes at it and just be like, "All right, dude, whatever. We got to go play football, right?" 
And other times they felt like it was uncomfortable, but nothing that, you know, made it seem like it was going to be problematic for the football team, right? So I'll never have a problem with that. Ironically, in throwing it out there, he is sort of taking the credit away from himself, which, you know, is fine, right? Like, in comparison to somebody making it all about themselves, I, I it would be it would be um it would be alarming if John Harbaugh went to a podium after a game and was like, Well, I'll tell you the reason why we're seven and three, it's all about me. <laughs> like it would be we'd sit here like, What the F are you doing? So I got no problem with that, but I also can't I can't sit here and pretend like it's true. I can't sit here and pretend like the reason why the Ravens are seven and three is because God has chosen them. Like, I, I just can't do that. Even if you're a religious person, you have to think that's beyond the pale, right? And and Jarrett Bell is right to point it out. Like, the notion that God has picked the Ravens over other teams. Did God just take the night off in Miami then? Like, what? Did you Come on. Like, even if you're religious, you have to understand that it's absurd. John Harbaugh wants to throw it out there because he's somebody who believes in something. It's fine. It's it's not hurting yeah. anybody. I, I I consider myself a spiritual man. Um, it's fine. You know, I don't wait, know wait, 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 you're not about to go. There's a deep fly ball to, no. to left field. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> deep, no, I, I consider myself a spiritual man, and I don't believe that God has a specific team that he wants to win. But I do believe that he can give – a coach the confidence to coach his team the way they need I to mean, be yeah, and, and the players the wherewithal to I go out there and play hard even when they don't have Lamar Jackson and I, Hollywood I, Brown. I don't have enough statistical evidence to know if 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 religious coaches have an advantage over non-religious coaches I don't think I don't, it, I don't, think I don't have enough advantage. data on that topic I, th- I think it gives I, I think that what I'm what John Harbaugh might be saying is he gives his team when their backs against the wall and they don't have half of their best offensive players and half their best defensive players on the field, that they still believe that they can go I, I out there and win it, because I, of their belief in God. I think if John Harbaugh feels that, like if he thinks that that's what it is, that's fine, right? Yeah. Like it's it's fine for him to feel that way. You can't project it and make it fact. Like you can't, it's, it's impossible. Again, even if you believe, you can't project it and make it fact in any sort of way. Yeah. You can't do that. Nobody really knows. Right, exactly right. Um, but again, it's not hurting anyone. If you if that's the way you believe, that's that it doesn't hurt anybody. It also doesn't hurt anybody that if you don't, right? right? Like it's it's quite fine. Whatever your choice is in 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 that in that world. In the same way that I don't care, you know, uh, who you voted for, you know, when you went to the ballot box. I don't I don't care how you feel about this. It's none of it is fact. If John Harbaugh believes that his confidence going from week to week stems from his own spirituality. That's that's bully. Cool. Good for him, man. Like it's not it ain't hurting me and the Ravens are good. So pop a bless again, right? Like I'm going to give it that. It it only ever would become a problem if he were to walk in one day and say, "Well, if you're not on board, you got to go." Right? Like, well, then that wouldn't be okay. But we have no reason to think that's ever been the case, right? Yeah, like I just don't think there's any way. It's it's the same thing I, I said all the time. Like I'm I'm still I I I don't make um, the decisions um, about you know where I spend my money based on the idea that, that that company or whatever lines up with every single belief that I have because no such company exists. Like that's not going to happen. There is no human being that has the exact same belief about every subject that I do. It. I, I mean, if they if there is, it'd be a wild. I don't, you I, wouldn't be able to eat a Chick Fil A. Um, well, I mean, I don't, but that's not necessarily true, right? I don't believe, I know as a fact that not everybody at Chick-fil-A feels the same way. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they we're treating these companies that they're a monolith, right? Like, they're not. I know everybody. Like, I know a billion people involved, and I know their opinions, and they don't feel certain ways, right? Like, it, it goes beyond that, right? Like, it goes far beyond it's the, these, this notion that because something happens, it means that everybody involved believes a certain thing. Just simply isn't true. 
the Ra- John Harbaugh thinks that spirituality or religion or faith or whatever it is has something to do with the Ravens' success. There aren't 53 players on the roster that feel the exact same way. Right, of course there not. aren't. There are probably a handful that do. I make that very clear. There are certainly a handful of players on that roster that are just as religious or just feel the exact same way. And then there are those that aren't, that either aren't religious or are, but that are like, dude, come on, this has nothing to do with religion. It's nothing to do with that. It's because we do our job on Sundays. It's because we went out and got the job done. That's the reason why we're 7-3. and three. Like, the, not the, these things don't operate within it as a monolith. It's ironic because... Again, John Harbaugh putting out there his divine intervention is distracting or almost takes away from the credit that he himself deserves. But I do appreciate the fact that he's not trying to make it all about himself. That he's like, look, man, you know, maybe it's divine intervention. Who knows? I would probably say maybe it's the players. <laughs> like, I would probably put that out there that, like, Tyus Bowser deserves the credit for the Ravens going and beating the Bears on Sunday, right? Like, that's that's who we choose to credit when the Ravens win a game. I don't... When we do pats on the ass, normally God doesn't make the list. No offense. Might I don't know. Maybe he had a good day on Sunday or she or whatever God is. Like I, Maybe they had a great day on Sunday, but I don't know that. I know Tyus Bowser had a really good day on Sunday. So that's who I'm going to choose to praise and credit for a particular victory. But it doesn't, it doesn't impact me in any way that John Harbaugh chooses to, to praise, you know, God or, or whatever it is that, that, that he believes in, right? In the same way that, by the way, if if John Harbaugh believed in the Flying Spaghetti Monster and chose to credit the Flying Spaghetti Monster, it wouldn't bother me then either. I want to make that abundantly nice clear. Nice South Park reference. But whoever, actually, it's a real thing. The Flying Spaghetti Monster is a real thing to people. That there's a group of people that actually believe in. I that's just a, saw the episode a, last week. That's where a they, real, that I is a legit that. thing. That is not something that was created by South Park. That is a real thing. There are wow. a group of people that believe in a Flying Spaghetti Monster. That's insane. Hey, man, whatever, whatever works for <laughs> it you, does, works for it you. It's me, not, it don't impact me in any way. You believe in what you want to believe in, man. God bless. Papa bless. I'm, I'm on board. Do it. it. Ain't hurting me. It ain't impacting me. It ain't hurting my kids. I'm good, right? Like, you do your thing. Whatever it is that you do in the privacy of your own home or whatever, as long as it doesn't impact other people, as long as you don't try to force your beliefs on somebody else and whatever it is, got you. Know, I'm all, all on board with that. Today's show also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football. You use that code PRESSBOX when you sign up. And uh, we're matching that first deposit that you make to Underdog Fantasy Football up to $100. Again, the code is PRESSBOX, underdogfantasy.com, or download the Underdog app, Underdog Fantasy Football. They got all the player props and the parlays and the daily and weekly fantasy games. We'll come back in. We'll get a tidbit. We'll get two bit to wrap it up. It's Glenn Clark Radio. What's up, everybody? This is Tyus Bowser. I can't wait to see you guys for the Tyus Bowser Show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on Pressbox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. The next Tyus Bowser Show is this Tuesday night, November 23rd at Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane. It's brought to you by Window Depot Baltimore, windowdepotbaltimore.com, and Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, duffysgaragemd.com, as well as Pressbox and Great Eights Memorabilia, and the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, joins us courtesy of my bookie. 
Looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A Catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is coming soon to Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Maryland, this is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro-Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. Hey, it's KZ. The Press Box Fantasy Football Show is back, as always, on Thursdays. You can catch it at 1130. We're brought to you this year, CCBC and Glory Days Grill. You can catch the show two ways, facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash radio. The slash radio is if you want to listen. On Facebook is if you actually want to see my ugly face. We're going to have a lot of fun this year. DFS, daily lineups, keepers, all kinds of fun stuff. Please tune in, Press Box Fantasy Football Show every Thursday, 11.30 a.m. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. I'm trying to figure out how this works, right? Like, with, with waiver order, the Titans technically have a better record than the Ravens do because they're 8-3 and three, while the Ravens are 7-3. and three. But it, it's a little unfair to, like, penalize a team just because they haven't had their bye yet, right? Like, if when the, I don't know when the Titans have their bye, if it's next week, the week after that. I guess it has to be the week after that because they play the Patriots this week, don't they? Right? Am I, uh, right? That's this week. Yeah, I think they have. A, I think their their buy is like week thirteen or they got, right, right. The Titans, yes. Yeah, so the Patriots on Sunday, and then the following week is their buy. So if the Ravens win, like if the Titans beat the Patriots and the Ravens win their next two games, then they're going to have the same record, right? It's just so happens to be that the Ravens have had their buy first. And that's the only reason why the Titans have a better record. So, like, if I'm the Titans, it's a little unfair if I'm looking to pick up Philip Lindsay. I'm like, it's kind of bogus that, like, the Ravens have a better waiver order or priority than I do just because they didn't have their buy and we did. But I guess that's the way it works. I assume that it's just as straight as that. Like, the Titans have a better record, so the Ravens would have a, a higher waiver priority. And with that in mind, I'm glad that Jarrett Bell brought up the Titans because I would, if I were the Ravens, I would put in a waiver claim because I do think the Titans are in similar, pure running back hell. And so if you don't put in a claim for him, I could absolutely see the Titans doing it and mm-hmm. him not clearing waivers. So, yeah, I'd, I'd put in a claim. Look, I'm not telling you that I think Philip Lindsay is an answer or the answer. I think you're just openly acknowledging we don't have an answer. And so 
anything that could be a value, even minimal value, we've got to be willing to consider at this he, point. He's been a more explosive player more recently than what you have currently on Correct. the roster. Correct. I mean, that, that there's a chance that it could work better than what you have. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not telling you I'm like super excited about her. That I think that it could be what changes the season. I'm telling you, it's something that I'd be. He's got 130 yards total on the year. Like Philip Lindsay, they is, don't use him. I understand. Like, but I don't think the reason they're not using him is because they know he's a superstar and they just don't want to win. Like, Philip Lindsay's a guy. But you don't have better than a guy. So, yeah, I put a waiver claim in for Philip Lindsay, 100%. 100% I would do that. All right, winding down on a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Today's show has also been brought to you by the new print issue of PressBox, which is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. Of course, read it all, PressBoxOnline.com. Brenda Fries is on the cover, 20 years as the head coach at the University of Maryland. Go pick that up right now. Uh, don't forget, tonight we will be at Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane for the Tyus Bowser Show. It's brought to you by PressBox, Great Eights Memorabilia, Window Depot Baltimore, windowdepotbaltimore.com, as well as Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, duffysgaragemd.com. And the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard joins us courtesy of my bookie. Uh, Tyus and a special guest tonight, Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane. We will see you for the Tyus Bowser Show this evening. Looking forward to that tidbit brought to you by mobile one mobile one full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life visit your local jiffy lube service center ask for mobile one all right so with the giants loss last night they are now 21 and 53 over the last five seasons good for a winning percentage of 28.4 that would be the second worst five-year stretch in team history if the season ended today which two teams have the worst five-year stretch in nfl history this is a two-parter, by the way. Which two teams have the worst? I mean, I'm going to guess the Lions. No, believe it or not. The Browns? The Browns, they were 15. The, both of these teams have the same record. They were 15-65 and 65 for an 18.5 winning percentage from 2013 to 2017. Was it the original Saints? No. Was it... Was it those Cowboys teams when Troy Aikman took over? They were only bad for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not the Lions, not the Seahawks, Proctor. Was it I mean the Jets? No. This one actually really surprised me. Not the Buccaneers either. I thought for sure it would be mm. the Buccaneers, but it's they not. Certainly had some bad years, there's no doubt about that. The the yuck. Yuck. The the Rams a few years back. The L.A. Rams, fifteen uh, and sixty-five. I was thinking of the, was thinking of the post uh, Kurt Warner or the Kurt post Mark Bolger St. Louis Rams. Yeah, oh, wow. it says L.A. Rams. I think they were in L.A. then went to St. Louis and came back to L.A. But yeah, it did. was from fifteen. They were fifteen and sixty-five from two thousand seven to two thousand eleven. Well, that was definitely the St. Louis Rams then. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's exactly what I thought. Of. Yeah. The the site had L.A. Yeah. But yeah. Um, now, which team? I'm, I'm trying to word this correctly. Every team has had a bad five-year stretch, 1-32. to 32. Which team has had the best of the bad five-year stretches, has the highest winning percentage of any bad five-year stretch? The highest winning percentage of their worst five-year stretch. Yes. The Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens. 
From 1996 to 2000, they were 36 and 44, 45.5% winning percentage. In fact, they are the only team in the NFL to have their worst five-year stretch in, in franchise history result in a winning percentage above 40%. No, and they won a Super Bowl in that stretch, too. Yeah. So, in their worst stretch in franchise history. That's not all that surprising, only because the Ravens have such a short history. Right. Right? That, like, you know when they were their worst. And you're like, yeah, it was three years. They were really bad, and then they were 500 by their fourth season. Right. And then obviously in their fifth season, you know, exactly, it was gold. All right, very good. Thank you. It was a good tidbit. Tidbit of the day. Also brought to you today by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour. If you missed it last night, Stan and Ross Grimsley caught up with uh, former Orioles catcher Jeff Tackett, one of my favorites. You can find it right now, facebookcom Sports. Click on the videos tab or go to pressboxonline.com/video and find it there. Totally Tubular, brought to you by Chick-fil-A. I know it's that time of year. Family gatherings are happening, and I can improve your family gathering. I know I can. I can improve it by telling you to include Chick-fil-A. If you're looking for a simple holiday meal, try Chick-fil-A catering from Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese. Enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. All right, here's what's coming up uh, tonight, totally tubular-wise. As Patrick Stevens mentioned, a couple of area college hoops teams are in action starting this afternoon, in fact. Towson and Penn before uh, Towson's got to run off to Vegas for the tournament they're playing in this week. Tigers take on Penn, 2 o'clock on Flow Hoops, and UMBC's at home tonight against American at 7 o'clock. That game's actually on TV. It's on uh, Masson 2 if you want to check that out. Um, college basketball throughout the day, uh, again, on all the networks because the Maui Classic's happening out in Vegas. All the various tournament tournaments are going on, so ESPN, ESPN2, basketball uh, during the day, and I like that. Uh, some action tonight on ESPNU, Western Michigan and Northern Illinois at 7 o'clock. TNT, Lakers, Knicks at 7.30. LeBron James indeed getting a one-game suspension, as I sort of hypothesized about with uh, Jeremy Kahn yesterday. I get it. Like, you can't prove that he did anything, like, purposefully there, but it was so ugly that you just can't let that go without a suspension either. And definitely makes sense that Isaiah Stewart's suspension was longer. In fact, I think Isaiah Stewart kind of got off easy only getting a two-game suspension yeah. considering all things. Um, but I also understand why he was pissed. I mean, that was that could have been really bad. Like, that could have been life-altering bad. That was like some WWE reaction. It, it was, but I – and I get, I get him being hot, yeah. right? I completely get him being hot at some point. Like, if – at the one point where he pretended – like he was calm to try to get everybody to leave right. him alone so he could go attack. If that had been the end of it, he might have avoided any suspension. Because you can understand someone being pissed yeah. about taking an elbow to the eye. Like you can 100% understand that. It's it's that it became so over the top and they had to shut down. It's what it is. So it's two games. I think, honestly, he, he kind of got off, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, but that's Lakers-Knicks tonight, 730 on TNT. Then Nuggets-Trailblazers at 10. ESPN Plus and Hulu for the Oilers and Stars at 8.30. Fox Sports 1 MLS playoffs tonight. Orlando City and Nashville SC at 8. 
Real Salt Lake and the Seattle Sounders at 10.30. The USA Network for WWE NXT at 8 as well. Some non-sports highlights? Uh, on NBC, La Brea at uh, 9 o'clock on the Tonight Show featuring Jimmy, or starring Jimmy Fallon. Avril Lavigne's a musical guest. and I haven't seen her in forever. Well, so I remember I everything. She died. Yeah, she, she died. She, She's a robot right. now. And yeah. I don't know if they teach that in the church <laughs> or the church of the flying spaghetti monster. They, they might. They might. Know. She might be know. the flying spaghetti monster. On CBS, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett are going to be on. Uh, ABC, Jimmy Kimmel Live, featuring John Bernthal, Michelle Young, and Parker McCollum. On Netflix, Masters of the Universe Revelation Part 2 debuts tonight or today. And Reasonable Doubt, A Tale of Two Kidnappings is a documentary that's also on today. All right, very good. Tubular was also brought to you by Window Nation, 866-90Nation or windownation.com. You got one week, one week since you looked at me, cocked your head to the side and said we need to go to Window Nation. Um, that's what nice. you got, one damn week for you to take advantage of this offer two free windows with every two you buy no payments whatsoever for two full years again 866-90-NATION or windownation.com thanks today to Jarrett Bell from USA Today thanks to Patrick Stevens thanks also to Gerard Cherry for previewing the Browns we'll get all that up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com tomorrow on the program busy day because it's our last day we're, if you didn't catch it we're taking the day off on Friday um, so we will be off the rest of the week after tomorrow. So we're going to chat with, oh, are we doing us? Do we know if uh, he's joining us? The... He hasn't responded All yet. right, so maybe somebody fun. Um, we know that Drew Forrester will join us, unfortunately. Uh, we will make our picks tomorrow. And, of course, we will have tonight's Tyus Bowser show with his special guest for you tomorrow and Stuff and Things um, on what should be a busy Wednesday-ish edition. Hopefully enough time in there for Would You Rather Wednesday, but it's also possible that we just – we got to punt that for a week. We will see. We shall see. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including CCBC, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Royal Farms, Exxon Mobil, KNS Automotive, the Maryland Lottery, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino Hotel, the Baltimore area Chick fil A restaurants, the Maryland Department of Transportation, Underdog Fantasy Football, Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, Window Depot, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com, and my bookie. Thanks to Paul Valley. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday night. Go UMBC. Go Towson. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.